Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, January 19th, 2021. You're going to like this one. Oh, yeah. Lengthy conversation today. With Aaron? Buddha Baker? Terrell Owens? Pack show. This is wild, man. This is really cool. If you enjoyed this show by the end of it, please, you know, rate and leave a review. Mm -hmm. I believe that's what podcast hosts are supposed oh, to yeah. say. Yep. Maybe tell some friends to subscribe. Let's go ahead and try to grow this thing. Uh, we appreciate you so much for spending time with us. We know there's a lot of things that can penetrate your ear holes. The fact that you're allowing us to do so, uh, we do not take for granted. Let's get to it. Hey, not a lot of new breaking news, okay? There's some things popping off in the world of sports. Antonio Brown's knee injury, which held him out of a little bit of the game this past weekend, is day-to-day, -day, nothing serious. Look for him to play this weekend against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Mark Ingram, big trust. Woo -woo. Woo -woo. Cut from the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens, normally the coach will get fired like the day after the season ends or something like that. The Baltimore Ravens are like, nah, we're just going to cut all our players to the day after the season ends. You guys can go get a head start on free agency. Here you go, Mark Ingram, Robert Griffin III. Good runs in Baltimore. Uh, those two were cut immediately afterwards. The New York Mets general manager sent his dick uh, mm. in about 62 yep. unresponded to text messages. Yep. Mm -hmm. Had no idea these types of humans existed out there. Happy he got fired. Jet passing, friend of the show, put together a Barbara Walters-like piece, breaking it all down, and it gets very uncomfortable in there. And shout out to the Mets, by the way, firing old buddy immediately upon learning about what happened. Steve Cohen said, when I was in my press conference, I said I want to do this with the right people. <laughs> the guy sent in his bulge and naked erect penis uh. in the report to uh, uh, a lady who has not responded in about, I don't know, Months or years at this point <laughs> mm -hmm. is not something we want to be about. Get them out. See you later. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, other things happening in the sports world. You got championship weekend we'll talk about. Uh, James Harden and Kevin Durant are dominant right now. Got a chance to watch them live last night against Giannis and the Bucks. What a fun little tag. Hey, what a fun tag team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Harden had to be so excited to get the hell out of Houston, okay? And obviously, he, DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall, uh, didn't get along, and they, they – it was, it was like, a, hey, uh, this, it wasn't going to work anyways. James Harden didn't want to go back to the Rockets for whatever reason. Uh, there is a plenty that have been discussed on the internet for who and why he wanted out of there. Inevitably, he wanted the hell out of Houston. He forced his way out. A lot of people said he showed up out of shape, had the beard, missed the thing, did the thing with the bag and the adult ballet. I mean, there was a, a lot of stuff happening. And then even in a press conference, as a member of the Houston Rockets, goes, this team stinks, guys. You know? <laughs> so while all that's happening, I would assume Kevin Durant, who's in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, uh, who didn't get a chance to play last year because he was hurt, even though he is a, an absolute stud. He's working behind the scenes to Steve Nash and the boys going, hey, listen, I know he looks like he's not in shape right now and hates basketball, and we have no idea. Just know that if we get him, hey, me and him, good friends here. We don't even we don't know what Kyrie's doing. Hey, we hope Kyrie comes back and plays basketball, but he's got a world to figure out that he's got going on too on the side while doing this whole thing. If he comes back, great. If not, whatever, we're going to be good. They're awesome to watch. Yeah. <laughs> They've scored 30, both of them, in their first two games together since going to Brooklyn. That is going to be a fun tag team in the East and then inevitably probably run into LeBron and the boys. Now the NBA is potentially back, but now we got to wait months until it gets important. Exactly. Yes.
And that's NBA talk. <laughs> All the boys are here at Tone Diggs. How you feeling? What are you feeling about? What are your gambling thoughts? What is life like over there for Tone Diggs, a man who beat COVID, by the way? Yes, he did. I'm glad you bring that up quite often because we shouldn't forget that. Um, yeah, I'm, how about the Juju Bees attacking a man that beat COVID? Jeez. Uh, Show weird. some respect. Wow. They thought about that. It's a little disrespectful. I'm a little upset. Um, that there's going to be no in-person combine this year here in oh, Indianapolis yeah. because that's where I get 75% of my scoops from for the year while coaches and GMs and front office people are drunk down here at Kilroy's. Yeah. And they loose lips. Yeah. <laughs> and I, we don't have that chance this year. No. Some say sink ships, but the ship that's floating well because of those loose lips is the old digs boat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. But you're 100% right. Indianapolis for a very long time uh, was an NFL spring break. Okay, although the combine was happening here, the city of Indianapolis, because it is a city built on hosting people, basically, it's a, everything's connected. It's very close. The restaurants are very, very understanding to people from out of town. They do not care. Let's have a good time down here. Uh, the NFL going to combine. Obviously, they were working on making their football teams better. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Obviously, they were leaving no stone unturned at combine here in indianapolis of course right. obviously they were scouting their asses off and working harder than anybody else at any other time but then immediately upon those sessions that they were being forced to go to end you see the city of indianapolis just becomes mm-hmm. this nfl party and it it is very cool for the city of indianapolis i assume a lot of money's made uh jerry jones's dallas cowboys bus <laughs> will actually move like down a half a block he'll go into a club into the bus for like 15 20 minutes half a block down into another club, back into the bus. Dean Blandina was the head of officiating, was seen coming out of the bus at one point. I mean, downtown Indianapolis is popping off during a combine time. Last year, they moved it to prime time and everything else going on, so the bars didn't really get to go off. This year, they're moving it out of Indianapolis. I am very worried that the city of Indy is potentially going to lose the combine. Now, hopefully after everything gets settled down and hopefully after the world beats COVID like you did, Tone Diggs, and you did, Zito, the combine will be back. But it's going to be... It's going to be a big loss, especially for those conversations you potentially have about, you know, midnight, 1 a.m. at certain places around uh-huh. Indianapolis. Well, we were talking about a hefty, hefty, hefty travel schedule going to all the pro days for the GMs and coaches and, and scouts. And yeah, because head coaches will go to a couple, uh-huh. right? If they have a high pick or something like that, they'll go check out in person the, the pro day and everything like that. But it's not normal that you see GMs and head coaches at every single pro day. There's a lot of schools out there. But now that there's no combine, anybody they potentially have a question about, mm-hmm. they're going to have to go watch mm-hmm. in person. And if you're the GM or the head coach, do you send a scout that you trust, obviously? Or if it's a big investment, do you have to go check that out yourself? It is going to be a lot of travel, but I'll be excited to see if this affects any smaller schools. You know what I mean? Not that smaller schools always have a fair shot at anything anyways. They normally have to tag team with a little bit larger school to do a pro day. But will this kind of cut back on that type of thing? Then going forward, by the way, the NCAA saying this year doesn't count towards eligibility. What happens next year with, like, the whole, you know what I mean? Big, I mean, yeah. there's going to be a very interesting scouting going on. Uh, but you're right. The Indianapolis uh, city and community mm-hmm. missing out on the NFL party is damn shame. Damn, damn shame. <laughs> Impossible to get into Lucas Oil, by the way. It is Area 51. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I was supposed to go in there and do an NFL Network thing, and I couldn't get in. 25 minutes, security guard knew me. Screw knew who I was, knew exactly what I was hands trying are, to do. Hands are tied, Yeah, you don't, have, you don't have to pass. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want me to do? I don't have to pass. 
Like you need to have them get the pass. Somebody from the NFL Network had to walk from the complete opposite side of the stadium all the way around the stadium, mm. get me the pass, show the pass. I had to sign some things, go through, and then we had to walk all the way back. It was like 20, 30 minutes late. Jesus. <laughs> get it. They locked that place down. The same security guard that walks us basically into the stadium on Sundays. Like I, I literally just seen this guy. This guy and I know, can't fucking do it, Pat. Sorry. I'm like, I mean, they're. Is the TV's on NFL Network. They're saying I'm going to be on TV in fucking 10 minutes. Coming up. That's literally, that's me. You know, you know me. Yeah, can't. Sorry, I'm not allowed to do it. Hands are tied. So that is the only drawback. <laughs> like five miles around the stadium just to get back in. It was tough. It was a pretty good little uh, conversation. We talked about nothing. Because um, <laughs> I was not ever, I wasn't invited to the combine, so I had no experience. Really. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what these guys are going through. Wasn't invited. <laughs> I have oh. no clue what's going on. Uh, Connor, Patriots are going to stink, but uh, yeah. Josh McDaniels, <laughs> Josh McDaniels potentially going to the Eagles. Name uh-huh. surfacing back up for head coaching gigs. He interviewed with the Eagles for a long time. Uh, Josh McDaniels, do you think he'd take uh, Eagles' job over any other job? Uh, how do you feel about old, old McDaniels potentially leaving the entire ship up there? I mean, look, I just want everyone who's been through the system to be able to be themselves. And if McDaniels can't be themselves in New England, then yeah. that's that. But it yeah. doesn't matter when you're bringing in superstar, all-pro, probably the best player in the league, Ryan Fitzmagic, to run your offense. I mean, we don't need an offensive coordinator when you got the Magic Man at the helm. So what it doesn't you, matter. So what are you guys? you guys are just going to go with um... – Older players that you don't have to pay a bunch of money exactly, to, and then build the team up around that. Exactly. That's interesting because there was an idea there for a while. You draft a rookie who's young and cheap, mm-hmm. and then you build the team around him, then you do it again. But the Patriots potentially go, no, no, we don't know if that rookie's going to work out. Let's go tail end, twilight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go ahead and lock this thing down. By the way, at that point, if they're around 15 10 to 15 years. They love football, so yeah. they're going to oh, yeah. love coming up here. Uh-huh. Let's go ahead and do it. Now we get the Tom Brady deal, but with people that maybe aren't Tom Brady, obviously, but they still play the position that Tom Brady played, yeah. so that's the entire situation. Magic has plenty of shades of Tom Brady, so I'm not worried about it. And plus, if there's anyone who knows the AFC right. East, it's Ryan Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic has been around over there in the AFC East. Tom Brady, by the way, this weekend. Tom and Aaron, that's the big conversation, right? Mm-hmm. All morning we watched all those oh, yeah. shows. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I think it's incredibly fascinating that we do get this this year. Oh, yeah. The you GOAT know? game. Like, I feel like this is inc- uh, Tom's first year in the NFC. Gronk's first year in the NFC. By the way, after the game, he was uh, celebrating with, I forget who in the locker room. They had masks on. They are being very safe. And Gronk actually said, AFC championship, baby. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. NFC, he goes, oh, that's right. We're in the NFC. <laughs> the NFC, the first year in the NFC. You know, Tom's first year oh, over yeah. there. He runs right into another guy who was talked in the same conversation as him in the NFC, in the NFC championship. It's just like a perfect, it, it really is perfect for storytelling at this point. All week you're hearing, who's the, if, if Aaron gets the win this weekend, is he officially in the GOAT talk? It's like, well, he's already been in the fucking GOAT talk. Yeah. So I mean, I guess maybe in your world that he has a bit. But in, in most people who know football, uh, Aaron's already in the GOAT conversation. Aaron doesn't play against Tom Brady. But, man, this does feel like a game that's going to be talked about for a long, long time. Either way that happens, right? It'll be like uh, when at the end there, Tom ran into Aaron. And then Aaron, you know, there'll be an entire, it's an entire setup 
for a storybook at this point. And I think we're incredibly lucky to have it, to yeah. be honest. Like, I, I honestly do. Week six was a much different game, I assume, than what it's going to be mm-hmm. this weekend, or maybe it won't be. Vita Vea coming back for the, the Buccaneers nose tackle is a huge deal. He can push the pocket back. And how Aaron handled that, Aaron's always been able to do it. And then for the Buccaneers, Devin White comes back after missing three games, maybe the best football player that's ever played football all of a sudden <laughs> out of there. I mean, it's going to be – you got Devontae Adams, who's mm-hmm. unstoppable at this point. You got Lazard, uh, who we talked to yesterday, wouldn't give us what Scary Ninja was, but would talk about some juices he's been taking. Yeah. He's a stud. I mean, this is a fuck. They got it right. We said it yesterday. Yeah. They got it right. And uh, in the AFC, obviously, Josh Allen and Patty Mahomes, if he can get through the concussion protocol. Uh-huh. Ty Schmidt, we learned a lot about the concussion protocol this morning, more so than we ever have in the entire past. We have the entire fucking thing, like word for word on what the protocol is. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this before. There's a pretty, there's a pretty in-depth thing that oh, you have to, that happened. Yeah. I was never in the concussion protocol, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, I, I flew around led with my head, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, say, you had school. your fair share of big hits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Never got in the concussion <laughs> protocol. But there's a lot that has to happen for old Patty Mahomes, Ty. Well, what I don't understand, too, is I feel like he's going to get cleared and he's going to play no matter what. But if it really is like a, a neck thing and not, you know, like an actual concussion thing, if he gets hit once, what's to say? And he, like, he starts stumbling again, isn't he He's done? Yeah, I don't know. I, it was a scary stand-up stumble very scary because it's patrick mahomes too Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and you think about it and and then he jogs off the field though right you saw him jog off the field just like i guess lamar did as well after lamar hit his head and got a concussion or and then had to get a jog back there but the pro the protocol can you put those back up foxy step one based on symptoms the player can engage in light stretching balance training and eventually progress or progress to light aerobic exercise so he can't Hmm. even run yet okay maybe we don't know what step he's in right when did he start stretching was that immediately after the game (laughs) can you touch your toes no i get a headache okay we're not even in step one then step two is the player can graduate toward cardiovascular exercise in dynamic stretching and then take neurological and balance tests he can pass through this step once those test results match his baseline scores which i would assume is the impact or, or what they initially went through to set the standard on whether or not your brain has been hit or not so the neurological and balance is that in an oculus oh, oh yeah should be. is that in the oculus because i'll tell you what if you have concussion symptoms you put that oculus in i assume you're just gonna puke all over the place oh, yeah. yeah that should be step maybe one through three is this is the the finger in the nose the balance test yeah probably stand on my leg yeah make him walk the straight line yeah alphabet backwards please yeah please what do you think the long-term effects are going to be let's say this is a pretty uh significant injury you think they may alter the rules on again on how you can hit a quarterback Uh, what happened with tom oh no that is interesting well it was a head or neck it was a head or neck tackle by the way so i don't think mac was trying to hurt him obviously he was just trying to catch him but it was a head or neck you saw his hand up there Mm -hmm. so i would assume it's already in the rules it just wasn't called at the thing Mm -hmm. so hopefully there wouldn't be that big of an overreaction because in football things like this can happen but Patrick Mahomes is you know I mean he's in every commercial yeah yeah absolutely he, he's in every he's getting his hair face cut. of the NFL dollar signs when he's there he's, he's dancing he's getting and for Bose he's dancing mm-hmm. he's getting his hair cut he's in prime time oh, every yeah. single week I mean he is the guy well, they're gonna push the playoffs back a week oh because <laughs> of a concussion perhaps step three the player can move toward a limited amount of football specific exercises yeah you can go play catch right <laughs> that includes up to 30 minutes of practice time under the supervision of an athletic trainer standard stuff by the way for people coming back from an injury not saying that 
uh, a concussion is different than other injuries. I'm just saying that normally you'll come back limited time. You have a trainer with you or a physical therapist with you. Then you go to the other field. You work on some stuff. Then you try to go back in. Then you go out. If, you know, depending upon the injury, that is a very normal thing. And by the way, I was very lucky with the Colts. We had a great staff. Very talented, cool, funny. Felt like they knew. They, they're always very confident. And they got me back from like three surgeries or whatever. So I, I don't know how it is everywhere, but in India it was like that. Step four, football activities can increase to non-contact drills such as throwing and running. Another set of tests must again show baseline results. And then step five, this requires the team doctor to clear the player for contact. Once that happens, the player must be examined by an independent neurological consultant, parenthesis, INC, parenthesis. If the INC affirms the team doctor's decision, the player is cleared to practice for and play in the team's next game. That's the one I don't trust. Well, that's what everybody said immediately upon him entering the protocol. Is like, hey, this isn't just the team that's going to be deciding whether or not Patty Mahomes is coming back. It's also an independent neurological consultant doctor. What if that independent consultant is from Midland? Hmm. Ooh. Well, that is something that would have to be talked about. I would assume that the independent one, though, they are going to try their best to make sure it is an actual independent. You know what I mean? Not from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and if it's that could potentially s- paint a picture in a different light. So well, sketchy, you just bring in Merrill Hodge, and you're going to be oh, fine. Put the guy on. in the That's damn good. game. Guy's good. What is it? AFC Championship? AFC Championship? Yeah. He's good. His He's eyes good. are open. He's good. He's good. That is the old school football <laughs> thing, by the way. And that Squeeze is my hand. This is kind of like the uh, the picture of yeah. How many? How many? How many? Am I holding up? Two. Did you say two? Yeah. Two? Yeah, Two. Yeah. That's what it is. Get your fucking ass back out there. <laughs> By the way, we're running a quarterback dive. First play. This is interesting because this is the, you know, all the science. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All the conversation about, hey, you got to protect the brain, got to protect the brain. Then it's like, well, he didn't even get hit in the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrington Harrison shot it. I went on his radio show <laughs> oh. yesterday. 610 KC, by the way. Thanks for the time, Carrington Harrison. Let's go. And another guy was with him. I forget his name. No shots here. I just forget your name. That's 100% on me. I was learning of Carrington Harrison. Mm-hmm. 32-year-old, by the way. Host of show. Good conversation. Nice. He said yesterday that uh, his source told him that it wasn't even shot to the head. It was a nerve thing in the neck. And back to your point, Ty, like, how do we know? The, like, well, how are they going to test that? That's a very interesting Like, thing. if he gets hit once and is wobbling, then they're going to have no choice because that's all anyone's going to talk about. Bro, Chad Henney, Josh Allen. going to say. Oh. Battle it out for the AFC championship. When, you're, when you potentially uh, hurt your, your T1, T2, did you have any wobblies? wobblies? Uh, I wasn't – I was never out of balance or whatever. But, boy, every move was kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, mine was more, I think, uh, bone. You know what I mean? Oh, Potential. Okay. Sure. Okay. nerve. Oh, gotcha. Mm. You know what I mean? And the nerve – the neck nerves. I assume those are pretty important. Did you ever yeah. wake up in the morning AQ. and it hurts? AQ has a that was right? a tightened uh, something tightened. What's it called? Spinal stenosis. It's where yeah. your spinal column narrows. There's a little tighten on it. Uh, about pushing tighten. on the nerves, I assume. Well, yeah, the nerves. Is, <laughs> so I would assume there are that. nerves involved. <laughs> you know, well, did Peyton have a nerve thing in his neck? Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. He got his thing. Uh, Laser, laser glued fused. together they spinal did, fusion yeah i think so right the fusion and he he didn't have feeling in his hand for a while oh, i wow. think is the reports i'm not 100 sure but the reports were he didn't even have like feeling in his hand uh and they didn't know if it was at how long it was going to take for they knew it would come back but they didn't know how long because nerves they said you know nerves kind of mm-hmm. i guess these nerves are just gangsters do whatever the fuck they <laughs> oh, want <yeah. laughs> but um they said and then Obviously, we end up cutting him, and then he goes to Denver. And by the way, he, he did it did come back. He did. Oh. Yeah, he broke a couple NFL records, won a <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl, and everything like that. But he did start wearing a glove. 
mm-hmm. uh-huh. which is a little bit different operation. I wonder what the, not just the long-term effects of the nerve thing, but what if it is, if it's a nerve, that means it's probably potentially going somewhere else in the body as well. Mm-hmm. Well, the long-term effects for Andy Reid are don't run a goddamn power option with your $500 million <laughs> quarterback on third and one. Carrington Harrison, after you already ran a play, Carrington Harrison, that was the second time they ran it. Uh-huh. Carrington Harrison uh, said that there's a lot of people in Kansas City potentially questioning that call to begin with. And I, I was, I didn't even know that we were potentially questioning the call, which I think during the call, I did question it like, yeah. while it was happening. But after he gets hurt, it kind of takes away that entire thought. It's like, okay, now Chad Henney's the story. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot about it. And I, uh, I just said, you know, Andy Reid's, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, you know, they studied film a lot more than me this week. Mm-hmm. And, and they have run much better offenses. But while that play was happening, I, like a lot of people, was like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> you guys got a broken toe. You guys got a broken toe right now. You got 75 offensive weapons. Why aren't we going to one of them? <laughs> That's Lee. how much confidence they have in Chad Henney. Hey, if he gets, if he dies, he dies. Got <laughs> fucking Chad Henney, bro. <laughs> Joining us now uh, is two men. One man, college football national champion Ooh. and Super Bowl champion and greatest chin in all of sports media. Whoa. And the other man, a man who is the NFL's MVP this season. A man who just had a win in the divisional round over the Los Angeles Rams. The man who did not wear his long john underwear because he said it isn't that cold. And as soon as we saw it, we all upped our bets mightily on the Green Bay Packers. Ladies and gentlemen, Green Bay Packers quarterback, all-pro, humanitarian quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah! Yeah! Say when, dude. AJ, you're back, man. Yeah, I'm here. You were on early last week because you had a big game. But, yeah, good job. I heard you and Pat uh, had a good little chat. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad conversation. Yeah. I had you try to take a couple shots at me. But... Oh, AJ did. Yeah, last week after the conversation, he did take a couple shots. I, I, I was going to send the message, but I didn't want to drive a wedge between the friendship because, honestly, it's a beautiful thing. Aaron, game was on uh, Saturday. Get a big win. Did you celebrate? How do we celebrate? Did you just go squat? Is that what you did immediately after that big win? Yeah, I went down to the gym. <laughs> Power lift, obviously. Yeah, and, of course. Uh, yes. And, you know, made sure I got a couple uh, couple sets in, you know, just standard procedure. Had to um, do it. No, I definitely had uh, a couple fingers. Scotch. Oh, yeah, you were doing those full oh, fucking yeah. glasses. I actually treated myself to a... Uh, Cigar as well. Oh, an AJ Hawk. Probably the same type of cigar that AJ's puffing on right now. Hey, you should have uh, been celebrating that performance. You you were unbelievable out there. There's a couple internet viral moments that happened that I would like to talk to you about. Um, before Alan Lazard's touchdown, okay, zoomed in on your face, very tight on your face. I saw the video. You you literally look at the defense. And you go, Allen, and then you just pointed to the end zone, okay? And then seconds later, ball snapped, throw ball, Allen Lazard to the end zone. <laughs> what did you see? And were you surprised that the Rams didn't hear you actually go, hey, Allen, and then just point at the end zone and nobody do anything? Or, or how did that whole – can you walk us through that entire process? Because it was very fascinating. That's not what happened. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> Allen, need you to score a touchdown. It's basically what you just said. It's basically what happened. That's not really what happened. I was surprised that that was actually the play where they, you know, they, they caught my uh, smile, half smile, or whatever. Um, 
I'm not exactly sure what that was from, but I, I do know that I was reminding Alan that uh, he was bluffing off of the safety mm. before he ran his route. So the whole route is looking like the run. That's what we do so well. We match up the run with the pass. So he was running in there looking like he was blocking the safety. The corner slept off slightly. He took his eyes in the backfield. And by that time, Alan was running by him, and he made a, you know, a great catch to kind of put that thing away. But uh, I wasn't calling my shot or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alan, we're on a go route. Yeah, it wasn't a go route either. See, you're well, wrong. Well, see, that's why I'm me, and that's why you are. <laughs> that's why you are you. You know what I mean? Those are two very different things. I think there. you know, but you don't know, and you never will. <laughs> I, I would assume that is very accurate. That's a famous Jim Moore quote. If you ever get bored on a – any day of the week, which Pat, I'm sure you have a son of stimuli, which is the plural of stimulus. Um, uh, stimulus watch, checks her out, by the way. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, speaking of stimuli. Jim Mora interviews. There's some excellent ones. I will. Yeah, Jim Mora, well, he's got a couple famous ones, but going back to the game, I'm curious, how much information can you gather on the first, like, possession that you get? Mm, the scripted place, and what the hell does that mean? You know what that means, Pat. They're scripted. You know, they're, For the people. These are written down beforehand. Got it. We'd like to run these 15, 20 thoughts at some point in the first 15 to 20 plays. But age, uh, there's a lot to be gathered. You know, I think coming in, we were interested to see how much of their five down front they were going to play. What, uh, uh, what Coach Daly does so well is mixes up the fronts in order to get singles for Aaron Donald, who's one of the best players that I've, I've ever seen, you know, any position um, during my time. Um, and the beauty in his, his scheme is that he forces you, based on the alignments of the other four guys in the front, to single, to not be able to slide two for one most of the time. Um, so I, just, I was interested to see where they would put Donald. Uh, would they put him uh, sometimes over the tackle, or would they put him uh, on the backside of a uh, uh, like a, uh, to the uh, reduction side away from the shade, which forces you to slide to the shade side? Huh. You know, in a basic under front in the in a in a three down uh, scheme, you have a stand up guy, you have a five technique, you have a shade, uh-huh. and then you have a three technique, and you have a backside end. Uh-huh. Uh, what they do mixing Donald around allows them to get single blocks for him so many times. And at the same time, uh, with their pressure scheme, they can create free runners so often. So that was kind of what we were worried about going in the game uh, a lot. They did a good job at that, but we held up pretty good. You know, I thought Elton uh, and Lucas, our guards, blocked really, really well. I thought uh, Billy and Rick had great games for us. Corey was very solid in the middle, as usual. But there wasn't a lot of pressure. I barely got touched the entire game. We had a plan to get the ball out quickly when we could, but when I had to hold it, those guys held up and did a great job. I got it in the notes section here. Funny you say that. There was in the notes, dude. You remember? You know. Um, Out of the end zone, first and 17, okay? You hit Lazard. How did you see him and why were you so relaxed? You were standing in the middle of what seemed to be a fucking fire and you were just hanging out and then you hit this strike 
to Lazard for a first down. Did you just you just felt comfortable? There's never you just is that a sense of feel? Like how do you, is there uh, it, like you said you had a, the thought to get the ball out early, but then obviously there's a couple plays where there was one where you skirted out of the the pocket and you you looked by the way like Tyreek Hill in a couple of situations. Yeah. I mean we'll get to the pump fake obviously, but you're just so chill in there and relaxed. Is that just the the comfort and the confidence you have in the offensive line, or are you letting a play develop? Like how do you know the fine balance of when you got to get the hell out of there? Well, it's a lot of that, Pat. I think I would add in some residual jade based on the throw a few plays before that that I missed uh, Marquez on that would have kind of blown the game open. Uh, when you kind of tie all those things together and, and you understand what the protection was on the play, uh, I felt good that I was going to have time in the pocket. Uh, we were running uh, kind of a uh, staple uh, action play with a deep cross route by Devontae Allen running backside in. And Marquez uh, running a post to the, to the front side with Billy or Bobby was chipping and run to the flat. Um, so I knew I was going to have a little bit of time, probably five and two hitches uh, timing. Oh my god! Uh, they did a good science. job on their coverage. They played actually two uh, to the field, uh, so it made it hard on Devontae's angle. He didn't know if he should try and take it over the safety who was kind of hanging on the backside or cross face. If I had known he was. 100% going to cross face. I probably would have thrown on the first hitch, but I was a little confused. I thought he might actually try and go over the top and get his shoulders turned. When he didn't, I realized I had to move slightly in the pocket. Uh, I just had a feeling with an in route, unless the guy's draped all over him, it's a route you can kind of always throw. You just mix up the trajectory of the ball, whether you got to kind of zoom it between a window, throw over a guy, or really throw kind of like a lollipop, like a real level two ball, kind of over, kind of as a, of like course. a rolling dagger route. Of course. Um, so I felt good. The, I felt good. I was going to have Allen based on the pre-snap uh, the entire time. I just kind of had to get to a spot to throw it cleanly. Hey, you mentioned being in the pocket, and Pat talks about how you look so relaxed and comfortable. I'm sure you're aware of. This. <laughs> Are you Some... fucking kidding me with what you just did there, though? I mean, that was Rain Man. You're Rain Man. You know that. Like you love it. You you thrive in that role. That's unbelievable. Don't you? Uh, sorry, Pat's distracting. What was, what was the well, just, that's all happened. Everything that just happened there is happening in what? F- five steps and two hitches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the entire, it's unbelievable how you, and is that why, now granted, they caught you laughing at one point. It wasn't before that touchdown. It was a different time. My favorite time uh, was that like, I think it was the end of the first quarter maybe, and you were doing a hard count. And uh, the close-up had you doing a hard count, and then you just started like laughing, like legitimately laughing. Was there somebody on the other side like, Aaron, we're not falling for your bullshit? Is that why you started dying laughing during that? That's a, a almost word for word what he said, actually. Who was it? Who was it? <laughs> it was 41. Uh, their, their inside backer. Uh, 43, Johnson said before the snap, no snap, no snap, he was yelling out. And so I was like, ah, why even go through with the, you know, the gyrations? Of this <laughs> but I still went through with it. They didn't jump, and 41 started. Yeah, that's right. You can't get us. You can't get us. I was just, I don't know, just his animation just kind of got me. I was laughing. <laughs> I love it. I wasn't, it wasn't even like shit talking. It was just kind of, you know, matter of fact stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's good, man. I don't know. I just, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the back and forth. And, and the, again, I wasn't even really back and forth. They're just kind of like, yeah, you're not going to get us. You're not going to get us. Like, we know that snap count. I was like, yeah, you could have just looked up at the clock too. <laughs> ten on the play clock and fifteen, or ten on the game clock, fifteen on the play clock. You know, you may or may not snap it. 
Hey, speaking of, uh, you know, talking back and forth with some of your, your the guys you're playing against, what's your plan for Indomitian Sioux? Are you going to try to maybe butter him up pregame? Oh, like, what are we doing? Because I know last time you thought you were going to have a meeting at the buses just to kind of hug it out. Like, what are, where are we at right now? I completely forgot about this storyline. I am pumped. This is awesome. I, I don't think there'll be a whole lot of conversation this week. Damn. Uh, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of conversation. Next question, he said. Uh, <laughs> this is the uh, – let's – go, go ahead, Ed. You're talking about being in the pocket. I had a real question about – so you see this happen sometimes where a quarterback will be dropping in the pocket. He gets antsy. He actually has good protection, but it feels like, hey, this is when the pocket will break down, and he still escapes the pocket. How do you keep yourself from doing that? Because I see guys do it all the time. Well, two things. One, you get older, so you can't <laughs> as much. And two – you popped really hard a few times. That'll make you stop doing that. Um, those are actually real answers, but the third part of it is you just have to learn from your experiences and go back and when you're watching the film and seeing yourself leave the pocket early, and I did it at times uh, during my early career for sure, um, just kind of antsy or you feel like, oh, this blue wide open and I'm athletic enough to get out and make something happen. Uh, every time you do one of those things, you kind of log it and lock it away in your mind and, and remember Kind of just that feeling in the moment, work out in practice, not trying to get out too early and subtle movements in the pocket and going through your, pro- your progressions and not looking at the rush. So it's a, it's a process, but those two things will, will really, really help uh, advance that process. One, aging, because then you, you're not thinking about running away from guys anymore. And two, taking a big-time shot, uh, whether it's – uh, as you start leaving the pocket or once you've left the pocket, that'll uh, that'll stick with you as much as watching the film the next day. You are getting older. Uh, it's a lot better than dying, by the way, so congrats. Yeah, we did. boy. Stay alive. Way to go. Way to go. Um, but you had a tud, you know. Hey, hey, you look like a young man out there, okay? Mm-hmm. We get out on the, in, in, the, in the flat. We pump fake. A soul out of a man. I mean, that guy's soul left. That was maybe the highest jump I've seen somebody ever have for one of those pump fakes because I would assume he thought you could definitely throw it over there. Then you just sneak in the side door there. I mean, let's go. The body's feeling good. The squats are working. What was the mindset on that game, uh, on that play? You did say you are a pump fake down the field guy. Uh, It worked out for you there. Are we going to see a couple of those this weekend? Maybe drawn up by LaFleur. Maybe some ice shows with Aaron at running back? I'm not sure, Pat. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's competitive advantage. I can't give you the answer on that. Smart one. strategy. But, uh, I wasn't down the field on my pump fake, uh, just for the record. I was behind the line of scrimmage still. True. So it wasn't as fun as the beyond the field, beyond the line of scrimmage where you pump fake and get a guy. Those are really fun. Uh, I think it was, you know, it, it that I got Leonard on that one because I was legitimately going to throw the ball to Big Dog, who was right behind him. Oh, um, a lot of times, you know, guys just run at you and really won't go for the pump fake. So I was actually anticipating maybe that happened, which later in the game we had a laugh. Leonard and I, um, I step up in the pocket to the right, and he had been dropping in coverage. And I was thinking about pump faking him, and he I could tell he wasn't going for it. He was, like, looking at me, <laughs> closing, closing, closing. And I ended up just rifling one guy through the back of the end zone and then, uh, you know, kind of laughed about not being able to get him twice, you know. But... Uh, but I legitimately was trying to throw it to Big Dog right over, right behind him, and when he jumped in the air, I just moved, realized I could move to my right, still thinking I'm going to throw it, not thinking I'm going to have to try and run it in. And then, you know, about the two-yard line, I realized I'd probably, probably get this one in. Then I did something I hadn't done my entire career, other than a 
soft toss in 2011 at Kansas City, it threw the ball into the stands. I'm not sure what the fine will be, if there will be a fine or not. I will state my case publicly on this program. Thank you. First and foremost. Hearing adjourn. Because of the COVID rules, uh, I actually have video evidence that the ball did not endanger anyone in the process of flight. See that? It landed in an empty section of seats. <laughs> now, there may have been some sort of uh, uh, melee of uh, individuals trying to get the football. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with that. No. So, um, yes. I you shouldn't incited be. You incited this. <laughs> you did kind of incite the COVID super spread. Oh, jeez. But I that, did. They could have, you know, if people really wanted to keep social distancing, they could have let the ball sit for a while. True. Some stadium attendant would have came down. Bingo. If they're a volunteer, I would say they should get to keep the ball. If not, they can find their favorite person who maybe tipped them the most or had the best smile on that day or maybe wow. the best uh, mask. Give them the ball at that point. Now we're helping. Yeah. Now we're helping small business as well. Mm-hmm. Each uh, secure helping people, helping people. You That's know what I mean? you're all about. So if you get fined for that, I mean, what are we doing? Come on, you know what I mean. And that, you no, know, let's talk about you celebrating there, throwing the ball in there. There was a couple moments, you know, where it felt like you guys could feel the crowd a little bit. Am I misreading the situation, or was it very nice to have a little bit of a pop after something good happened? Pat, it was the most normal that the game has felt the entire year. I mean, it really, really was. Uh, you know, we've had eight home games before that, and it's been strange. And we've had, you know, 500-ish people at a few of the games, uh, which has been okay. But this was the f- closest it's felt to a more normal. I know it's obviously not the same as, as 80,000 people, but it felt way more normal, being out around the tunnel and hear the crowd and, and those people were banging the hell out of those signs, and, and it was making pretty good noise. It uh, sounded, yeah, it sounded. Yeah, they were they were pounding the heck out of those things. So good on the uh, game day staff for handing out those big old signs, and it was great to see and hear so many people. As you know, the cool moments before the game, you know, with with just nine thousand or however many fans we had. You know, normally a big game like that, you feel the energy and the emotion. You don't hear the individual like cat calls and yell outs. Aaron! There were so many of them. I mean, they just people pregame. I was throwing, just screaming at me, screaming at me, and you, you can't act like you don't hear them because you can hear them clear as a bell. But it's like, dude, I got you. Okay, hey, yeah. Hey, uh. I got a little warming up to do. Okay, this is a warm up time. Trying to win a game. Appreciate you coming. Do you have anything to say other than my name? Like, come on, say something witty. Let's have some dialogue here. Yeah, come on. Um, are you more comfortable on a football field than you've ever been before? Because we've just talked about a few different smiling in the face of the team that you're playing moments, right, while you're playing in a divisional round game, which is a monster game, obviously, for the team. You are just having the time of your life, it looks like, out there. Is it always like this and we haven't noticed, or is, or is right now just a whole different time? I think, I think partly that people forget, you know, when you – uh, maybe don't play as well. I mean, obviously, comparatively, the last couple of years haven't been uh, numbers-wise as well as obviously this year. So people maybe forget some of the things that I've done over the years and and how I am on the field. Uh, so again, with more eyes and more attention, you're going to see you know things that you maybe you think are new, but actually aren't that new at all. Um, and the other part is I'm genuinely having a blast. I, uh, you guys know it. Uh, people that watch this show know it. Uh, the guy down at FedEx today that I saw. Oh, knows shout it. out. Like, 
I've been a lot happier the last year. Like my life is, is uh, you know, my perspective, my mentals. Um, you know, it's been it's been a really good year. This I've said it before. The show has been so much fun on Tuesdays, and uh, but the perspective uh, that I've kind of taken to the field and and lived every day with, I think, has allowed me to just be a little happier and shows up on the field. Now, I guess, how worried would you be if you had this same mindset, you had the same approach, and you guys were garbage and you stunk this year? <laughs> would you be able to stick with it? Yeah. <laughs> I love you bringing that positivity age. See, I think you're missing the whole point of it. It's it's perspective, my friend, and it's not it's not a winning cures all. It's not a they drafted my replacement and this is how I play mindset. See, that's where people are wrong. That's why they don't understand. Uh, the attitude of gratitude and a positive, a positive mindset all the time. It, it doesn't have to take a crescendo moment of somebody else doing something to you. Hmm. It's when you take ownership of your own life and start working on yourself and loving yourself and changing your own perspective. That's when true change, I believe, happens. Now, some of us, and, and we've all been there where there's been some sort of um, galvanizing moment for us or some uh, awakening uh, some moment of uh, um, what's the word? Enlightenment. Epi- enlightenment, epiphany. Like There's all been those moments. But for me the true growth has happened when I said nothing that happens to me has to affect my reactions. My reactions are my own. Things that happen to me um, don't have to Im- influence my life uh, in a negative way. And when that perspective changed, I realized I was in control, complete control of my own attitude, perspective, routine, enjoyment, joy, happiness, love, all those different things. And this been like that's been the biggest weight off my shoulders. Not any draft pick that happened or any end of the tunnel uh, epiphanies. It's just been uh, really working on myself and, and changing my perspective. And I and I think it's really helped me out this year, not just on the field, um, but with my leadership and my approach and my perspective. I mean, I'm getting called on to like give speeches after games now. It's it's for years. Did you give a speech after this game? Yeah, but the last. Oh, time. can we can we can we please? Oh, come on. Can come we on. we all won? I mean, oh, we all yeah. won. I mean, I don't know if they tape it or not, but I would definitely give you first. Uh, First viewing rights on that, but oh, I appreciate that. Age, you know me. That's Let's just go. not really been my personality over the years, and you know it's it's been fun to have those opportunities. I don't know if guys fully understand some of the things I'm saying. I mean, I'm not necessarily talking about uh, chakras and all that stuff, but oh. I do talk about how you know how important it is uh, to have the right mindset to visualize things to uh, manifest things that you want. Um, some guys might be thinking, "What's this old guy talking about?" But I do believe there's a lot of power in setting intentions to what you want. It's the same thing as goals. It's just more of an uh, energy focus. You know, it's not just some like – a lot of times goals, I think, are maybe off in the distance and they're lo- too lofty or unrealistic. And um, It's kind of the, the – it's goal setting with um, a super energetic focus, I think. That's uh, – was there a moment where that came? Uh, did that – did you just say, like, you know what, I'm going to start being like this? Or how long did it take to kind of have that kind of switch entire everything? Because I assumed, if I were you, like, 
you know, there's there's spite stores that happen. There's mm-hmm. spite revenge bodies that happen. There's spite seasons that come. The amount of positive that you're talking about to a situation, I think, is very amazing because a lot of people, uh, to your point, did assume that you were going to come scorched earth this year. And it, it seems like you're the complete opposite, actually. It's not like that. I'm very comfortable with who I am. Is that kind of the way you feel and view it? Well, you know what happens when you start assuming things, Pat. Oh, yeah, the oh, yeah. ass you me thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means you're an idiot. <laughs> I didn't know. I've never heard that one. That's a new one. That's on me. That's a new one. That's a good one. Yeah, you can use it. Steal it. Go ahead. Just give me the credit, please. Um, <laughs> look, I don't know when the, the the speech thing happened. I think he just kind of called on me that week, a week to like say something, and it was good. They're like, and, let's bring it back. Uh, it must have been okay because he's been asking me to run it back. Uh, <laughs> Aaron. Year, I felt like you know, Big Dog got to speak every week, and it was fantastic. So I don't really want to compare myself to him or even the great Charles Woodson, who age knows during our our run. You know, he was basically talking every week. But um, I do appreciate the leadership opportunities and that expansion of that role. Um, that's been a lot of fun. But uh, I keep thinking, like this last game, I was like, okay, like he's not going to call me this week, right? You know. Like, He's gonna he's gonna go to a defensive guy or or maybe not even have anybody call and he's like all right Aaron or calls up I'm like, okay. Bob Ross of football you want to <laughs> but the best part is I just get so kind of off the cuff like that's when I speak the best I mean I've given speeches over the years I like write out you know like bullet points and then break it down and go like oh. uh, you know uh, outline to bullet points to like specific things I want to say and then I get up there and it's just. I can't even get going. Can't you know, do it. Throw this shit out. I can't just <laughs> hey. wink, you know? Nick Cannon in Drumline. That's how I always talk about how I, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, Nick Cannon, incredible drummer, can't read the music though, but he can hear it and he can repeat it. That's kind of how I am when it comes to speaking. If I'm trying to read the thing, I, I am a nightmare. I am an absolute nightmare. So I, I like the fact that, you know, you're getting a chance to go out there, shoot from the hip, motivate the boys. Let's You you, you reference the run there, and I apologize, AJ. I'm going to move this forward. That's on me 100%. I'm an asshole in this situation. But you talked about your run when Charles Woodson was uh, talking to the team. And you guys won a Super Bowl and all that back in the day. Uh, how does this team feel? How does this run feel versus, let's say, then or maybe even last year? Because you guys got to this game last year. I don't know if you remember exact feelings leading into the championship week, but how do you compare these this team, the feeling you guys have, the way you're playing, to teams you've been on in the past? Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, this will be our fifth uh, championship game together, each one very different types of teams. I feel like in 2010, everything was so new. We didn't realize how good we were how good we could be. We're just kind of riding the wave and the wave was, uh, was cresting and, and pretty powerful. And, uh, we kind of put it all together at the right time. And, and, uh, the Atlanta game springboarded us, I think confidence wise and our defense played so amazing the next week against Chicago. Um, you know, then in 14, you know, maybe our most complete, uh, team that we we've had, uh, there was, the, uh, we just felt like, as, as complete it was, there was going to be some changes after the season on uh, just some guys that we had and guys moving on, and we just really wanted to get it done, you know, whether it's for Julius or Age or any of our older guys. I feel like, you know, that was just such a special group of guys. Uh, don't even want to talk further about what happened in that game. 16, you know, 16 was a lightning in a bottle, man. We 
we were four and six. We went eight straight. And it was this amazing belief that we had. Uh, and a team that talent-wise wasn't as good as probably any of the other five. But, man, we had that uh, that special uh, chemistry and belief in each other that was really, really special. And one of, one of my favorite years probably uh, was 16, um, just the way that we stuck together and believed in each other and did things that nobody thought we could do and, and made it all the way to the NFC Championship. Ran into a buzzsaw in Atlanta. <laughs> and then uh, last year's team, was everything was so – it was kind of like a reset, total reset, just brand new and um, – you know, different guys brought in uh, Z and Preston and Adrian and Billy Turner and just new guys, new energy, new coaching staff, obviously. Um, yeah, we really enjoyed each other and had a good season. We weren't clicking anywhere near where we obviously clicking at this point in the season uh, compared to this year. Our offense is much better and much better. You know, it's not just the way I've played. Everybody's more comfortable. Matt's more comfortable. Um, we're playing uh, – complimentary football which we just weren't last year you know when our defense was so great early on we were terrible when we finally started figuring mm-hmm. these out later in the season our defense wasn't playing as well as it did earlier in the season so this year i feel like we're both kind of gelling at the right time and the confidence is high and we finally got a game in lambo in one of these um you know we're expecting snow on sunday and things are things are lining up for us to to be uh, to do what we, what we set out doing back in uh, back in what april when we started having zoom meetings Hey, speaking of that cold, do you have a plan on how you're going to combat the cold with your whatever clothing you might wear? Are you like, are you avoiding nightshade vegetables and trying to eat only like alkaline foods? Like, what's the plan? Smart. Well, I, I, I will say that I did not wear the toe warmers or the uh, the turtleneck, as you saw. Um, I was worried because it just wasn't that cold Saturday. That's what we thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, comparatively. Yeah, that's what we thought, yeah. Uh, to games that we've had. This one, I believe, will be much colder. Not sure how much colder, but uh, probably we'll put those two things back into the repertoire okay, good. clothing, well, and uh, we'll see if I need anything else. Hey, when that one's out, everybody knows what happens. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a shit show for the other team. When Age happens. used to wear, you know, he probably hasn't said this in the show, but he used to wear like a heated soft cup. The <laughs> 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 clack, dude? Is this Under Armour? Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of a cutting edge, one of his cutting edge brands that he used to, he used to stomp for. But, he had, you know, he just want to keep the whole geesh and, and package uh, nice and warm, I guess. I don't know what the what the thought was. What was the thought behind that? <laughs> It was the sperm count. Laura wanted me to keep my sperm count up. We were still trying to have kids. It works. Yeah. It works. Stay away from Mountain A lot of children. A lot of children. I'm getting in my ear uh, 29 degrees in a uh, large chance of snow or whatever this weekend. Ooh. So it's coming down. It's about to be Aaron Rodgers weather. Can't wait for it. Ty might be there, by the way. Ty's trying to get there. I don't know if you know this. I am trying to I think get he there. has successfully potentially found a golden ticket. We will see as the days roll ahead. Ty, what do you got, pal? Aaron, I don't think uh, very many people were talking about the importance of this play, but when you recovered that A.J. Dillon oh. fumble, it seemed like the initial reaction was, I'm going to make a move here, and then I'm going to skirt 60 uh for into you know get pay dirt get a touchdown there was that you know your initial thought at all or were you just thinking okay let's get this thing back to the line of scrimmage get a first down and and move on 
Yeah, that's a great point there, buddy. I was actually thinking about bringing that up earlier in answer, and I'm glad I didn't so I can answer your question, which <laughs> you always ask good questions. Uh, so on the play, I, if, if you watch it back, I actually faked like a body language like I was going to throw a, a run solution out to the right. And when I turned around, I kind of heard the contact. That took my eyes back to, to AJ, and the ball was coming right at me. And my first thought was falling it, right? But then it took a kind of a candy hop to me. So I said, hmm. Mm. And my eyes went up. I could feel guys were coming from my eyes went up to the left. And all I was thinking about was I'm going 60 right now. <laughs> I, was telling, I was telling some buddies afterwards. I said, I legitimately was like, okay, this is it right here. Like, this is game changer. I'm going to break loose. And I moved to the left. Man, I think close fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different speed yeah, out was, there. Uh, it was an important play, though. I haven't had a fumble recovery in a while. Uh, I always feel like one of my greatest plays of my career was a fumble recovery I had in 2012 against the Arizona Cardinals that nobody would remember. But I literally was carrying out my fake on the backside of a play and dove and, like, left-handed hooked it um, when there's, like, three defensive players around the ball um, and just kind of got up and walked back to the huddle. Never got a whole lot of, like, hey, great play from that. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of bummed me out a little bit. Maybe people are thinking, what are you doing, you idiot? Like, you're just going to tear your shoulder up for a fumble when we're up by three scores? But I don't know. I just feel like that was a really, really fun play for me. You don't get a lot of chances to look athletic, like being me and kind of where I'm at in my career. So any chance you're like, something comes up where you're, you're thinking, man, this could be the play. Like, the you know, I ran the touchdown, and that was pretty cool. And I was thinking twice in one game, I'm going to break loose here and go for about 40. Maybe make a guy miss. No. Yeah. It happened. And by the way, I had dreams of doing that too on one fake field goal. And uh, I mean, you're much more athletic than I was then. But talk about the brand for a second. You know, I went against wearing for the brand just because my uh, my friend who AJ knows, Jordan Tripp, sent me this shirt, which you probably don't understand the reference fact because you're not a movie guy. But one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, this is uh, a quote from it. Uh, before a duel happens, oh, uh, I don't know what this is. Do you? Tombstone. Okay, you're getting in your ear. I know. Right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. no, I'm not. Doc Holiday, dude. What's going on? Yeah, who's he? Who's he dueling with? That, that son of a bitch. He shouldn't have been there. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't have been there. Not this day with Doc Holiday. No way. Johnny Ringo. Oh, of course. Looks like somebody just walked over your grave. <laughs> Man, you love that movie, huh? Tombstone. I do. I do. I watched it uh, every other day in in college at the dorms on my little 17 inch. TV with a built-in VHS player. Swag, dude. <laughs> swag. <laughs> so much. Uh, speaking of swag, it is alleged that Devontae Adams went to Jalen Ramsey before the game and said, let's give the people what they want here. You know, come guard me, this whole thing. On Devontae's touchdown, uh, whenever you, whenever that play was designed, Alan Lazard said yesterday that Devontae's feet should be registered weapons because nobody can – whenever that play was designed, you knew he was going to be wide open. There's nobody that can cover him there? I knew based on the look because uh, it was a double motion for him. So as he came over in motion and Ramsey went with him, they balanced up a little bit on the backside. So pre-snap, they both – Ramsey and – I can't remember who was over Allen uh, – were outside – like kind of hard outside leverage and the safety was outside. When Devontae came in motion, the corner on Allen balanced up a little bit so it wasn't so far outside. 
and the safety balance up as well. So I just had a feeling that when he came in motion, that one of those guys wasn't going to be able to easily like jump off of Allen and get in the throwing lane. And that's why, if you see it, I literally caught it and threw it as quick as I could. Yeah. To get it out there to him, one because we had pressure, but the other because I just knew I had to get it on right away. Yeah, but threw, that was that was a great play design for sure. You threw the shit out of it. I mean, you you threw the shit out of that ball. Oh, yeah, good for you, dude. Let's talk about um, real quickly because uh, before I was getting into my tombstone shirt, I was talking about the for the brand shirt that I love wearing. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate how do you, you feel about J.K. Scott uh, choosing to toss the ball to Mason Crosby. Well, you know, he wanted to do a double speed off. I believe I missed it. He, you didn't see it happen live? You had to watch a replay afterwards? Yeah, I missed it. I haven't seen a replay yet. No, I, I have not seen the play. And by the way, Mason just went and took that and just took one. I'll, I'll, go, ahead and get, I'll go ahead and just get slaughtered here. J.K. wanted that ball back, though. I don't know if you saw that. J.K. wanted to run a little give and go in the backfield, which I can respect. You know what I mean? Get it out of there. See, you saw that. I, I heard that because I said, I was talking to Mace yesterday and about how he was doing, and how he's doing. I said, "What did JK say? You know, like what made him do that?" He said, "JK told me, like I tossed it to you, so you could toss it right back to me." <laughs> give and go, shake and bake, shake and bake. You, you guys, you know, sometimes you guys marvel at you know what I'm thinking about in the moment. Let's give JK some props. <laughs> With a really bad snap, all he was thinking about is. If I toss this to Mace, maybe he'll toss it back to me, and then I'll be the hero. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's some football IQ right there. I mean, that, that's some mentals right there in the moment. I, I give him a lot of credit. You know, at first I was kind of upset that he did that because, like, why are you tossing the ball to our franchise kicker? But now I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. you know, hey, Mason. You, you saw an opportunity. Mace wasn't ready for it. Hey, go ahead and take it, Mace. That's on you, pal. <laughs> That's, I mean, what about him manifesting that play, though, and it not coming to fruition? What's that all about? I thought he was going to run a give-and-go and score that thing. I hate that. Uh, let's be, thank you so much for your time, by the way. You're always so awesome. Uh, and Mace Crosby, obviously a legend. Hope you're feeling okay, by the way. Whenever you said that, I didn't even think about because his shoulder, it, it, was, it was a real thing. Jacked up. Oh, my God. Hey, T's and P's, Mason. We love you over here. Uh, going into this weekend, you're playing directly against Tom Brady. Uh, he'll be lined up at safety, as will you. How do you feel about your <laughs> match? up against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game? Last time I played any type of defense, uh, I was a junior, and we got the scrimmage against the JV team. So it was sophomores against the juniors, basically. And, man, I felt really good about myself. Yeah. And I was lighting these boys up, Ooh. playing middle backer. felt like... Uh, I feel like AJ playing eight-man football in Centerville. Oh! <laughs> Lighting dudes up all over the place. Shout out to the Elks. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Like, I haven't played a guy that old at safety in a while. <laughs> and, and so it's going to be weird looking out there and seeing him, you know, try and read my eyes. Uh, will be That'll be one of the games within the game for sure. Yeah, actually, when you say reading your eyes, has any quarterback ever tried to wear a dark tinted visor so safeties and linebackers can't get a jump on them? Smart. Uh, I don't think that's legal. I really don't. 
if you have an eye condition, if you can bring a doctor's note with an eye condition, then we, you, we can do that and step up. You, you might throw 100 touchdowns a year. Oh, imagine if they couldn't see his eyes. Well, ask oh. Ty, because Ty's got glaucoma, I believe. That's why he uses yes. some of those products. <laughs> I do have glaucoma, yeah. Yeah, he uses a lot of those products. Uh-huh. What, CBD? Yeah, a lot of CBD. We heard, we heard another show talking about CBD. It's a show that I like a lot. Pardon my take. Took a, they said you can't smoke a bong once you get older with Chris Long, because uh, unless you want to be high for a few days, I'm like... Our show does that like five, six times a day, <laughs> right before shows start. <laughs> Maybe that's our problem. Could be. Mostly Ty. Well, okay. It's mostly Ty. Didn't Foles have the dark visor on this year? And when he came into the game, he took it's it off. Yeah, he see. wasn't allowed to have it. Yeah. Um, do you do you hate? Do you hate the uh, conversation? I mean, if you're a storyteller in the pundit world. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers facing off in the NFC Championship. There's just so many storylines. You guys played in week six. You know what I mean? Both goats. Both are going to be Hall of Famers. Uh, obviously, Green Bay Packers team's dominant. The Buccaneers team was built this offseason. A lot of ring chasers potentially following Tom Brady down to Tampa after his exit from New England and Bill Belichick. The storyline is almost like perfect uh, for the weekend. Is, has the week six game uh, does that matter at all in this particular weekend? And does all the buzz, is it cool to be a part of the buzz of the conversation? Yeah, I think the week six game matters just about as much as when uh, the Saints went to Tampa and beat them 38-3. to Got it. It obviously didn't affect them last week at all. <laughs> it did didn't not. matter at all. Nope. We lost by 28 at their place. They lost by 35 at home. They just beat the Saints by 10. Hmm. This is a funny game, and things change. People, uh, teams change and evolve, and either get better or get worse. Or there's not much staying the same. But there's an evolution throughout the season of uh, plays, play calling, adjustments, uh, guys playing good, guys maybe falling off, young guys stepping in. There's a lot of things that happen between then and now. So I'll give it as much uh, credence as as they gave that 38-3 to uh, game, which obviously meant nothing to them when they went out and beat the Saints on Sunday. Valid. <laughs> but yeah, I, do, I will say, just to your other point, this is uh, definitely some media porn this week, right? You got, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's me, awesome. and, uh, <sighs> me and Tom, the old guys on one side, average age of 40, you got the young guns on the other side, Pat and, and Josh. Um, you got, you know, obviously we played during the season. Did they play it during Same the week. Yeah, week six. They played as well. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of good storylines. And then they're, they're obviously going to prognosticate the, you know, potential matchups, you know, of who's it going to be, if this guy wins, if these guys win. Um, pretty good, uh, pretty good couple, uh, few days for the league for sure, for the media, for for football in general, uh, it's going to be a fun Sunday. Okay, so last thing for me, what would you like fans to yell at you pregame? Yeah, good call. What would get your attention? So, like, maybe some like alien, some kind of alien situation. I don't know. Like, what what do you think would get you to turn around and give them give them the old, just give them the fist pump, like Brady Papinga? <laughs> Bob Lazar, maybe. Yeah, oh, Bob Lazar, <laughs> that poor guy. Disclosure. Uh, yeah. No, I think what what often gets my attention, and they used to do, you know, they do the sign, the show us your sign song. You remember mm. the song, Age? Everybody hold up their signs. We'd always look for good ones, you know. 
Uh-huh. And there's a lot of like, you know, standard go back go or here's my favorite player number. But there was some occasional like interesting kind of uh, non-traditional-ish uh, type of signs that would catch your attention. Uh, just yelling my name over and over is not going to make me <laughs> Like, it's, uh, if you do it for maybe like, you know, I told a story about the Philly fan. If you do it for like an hour straight, I'll probably at some point turn around and give you a, hey, thanks, you know. Good pursuit. <laughs> Good pursuit. Um, you can go like, I know you could probably even hold the pee or you got to go get a beer or something like and on up, but uh, yeah, something, something maybe a little more interesting. Sign, oh, sign. Creepy. I don't want any creepy things. You know, there's been some creepy cat calls and signs over the years. I'm not asking for that, but just. You know. Well, you're Aaron Rodgers, dude. That I won't do what AJ Hawk did to the crowd. I can promise you. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Like, oh, man. He was just everybody could get it. Jeez. I hate you. You it, spent it money. It's my on favorite it. mug, though. It's my favorite mug. Oh, you I got- don't have a today because I want to see you guys. Um, you know, drinking water, drinking my water. Oh, that's good. Hey, you know what? That's inspiring. We'll drink yeah. our water. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. We'll drink our waters. Ooh. That's not what yeah. well, you got on the desk. You got Hefty Lefty. You got a Colts game ball. No, no. So this is a Vinatieri ball. This is a Vinatieri ball. This is, uh, there was only, I mean, by the way, I learned a lot about me. I was number 100. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was number 100 of the balls that were given out. There was, I, I think there's only, I forget how many, but it's like always records and shit. It was like a, uh, it was a gift or whatever. You know what I mean? From the people that made the ball. So I could sell it. And then I got Nick Mangold's barbecue sauce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? The best. Did you get that from age or are you friends with him personally as well? Uh, it was his birthday the other day. We're not personal friends, but we have great conversations on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Nice. Yeah. Hey, um, good luck this weekend, dude. Thanks, buddy. No problem, man. It should be a good game, huh? I think it should be. You're a little, you're a little jealous about uh, me and Portnoy becoming good friends. Mm. Do you feel threatened at all? Or? No, I, I, I see you two as a good team. You know what I mean? You're already doing great stuff, and it's if you Portnoy's, we've got a chance to hang out with him. Like it, incredibly hilarious human and good. Obviously, with everything that's going on at Barcelona, I kind of saw that coming. There's some others I think that you're friends with that I don't necessarily have a lot of respect for, but I mean, it's definitely not Portnoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait in person to hear about these. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to blast me on the radio. Yeah, no, no, I would never. On the internet machine. Hey, we appreciate you so much this season doing this, man. We really do. Let's continue the run. We appreciate your time. Good luck with your squats. Good luck with your week of work. Can't wait to watch on Sunday in the snow at Lambeau with Ty Schmidt in the crowd. Hell yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2020 NFL MVP, Aaron Rodgers. Thank you. Yeah. Most guys have tried different ways to last longer in the sack, haven't they, Connor? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I've tried yeah. everything. Got to get there first, but when you get there, a lot of guys think about, you know, uh, what? You're starting baseball lineup? Uh-huh. No. Socks. You, do you know. say the Pledge of Allegiance in your head? Oh, yeah, every time. How about backwards? Do you do the alphabet backwards? Z-W-I-X-V. And? Didn't get it right. <laughs> Z-Y-X-W-V. U-T. U-T, R-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J. Oh, I used to be able to have it back in high school. That was how they tested yep. whether or not you were under it. Exactly. <laughs> so we memorized that. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. Yeah, that's what I said. Ooh. Pretty good. Ooh. Anyways, the folks at Roman 
okay? Mm -hmm. A men's health brand. The best. They've created something you don't have to do what I just did. Even stumbling, maybe, that would have helped, actually. Yeah. You don't have to do this anymore. No, no. They've created something that's a tag team partner for you, and it's as small as something that can fit in your pocket so nobody knows that it's there. Perfect. It gets shipped to your door so nobody has a clue what you're getting. It's a discreet package. Oh. What it is, it's called a Roman swipe. A Roman okay. swipe is something that you pull out of the tiny little packet that's in your pocket. You go ahead and rub that on your kit and caboodle mm -hmm. and let it dry. It'll dry quickly. It will not transfer to your partner. And what you will do is you'll go to Pantan oh, for longer yeah. than you ever have in the history of your Pantan. Pantan. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Right now, you get free two-day shipping wow. whenever you go to GetRoman.com forward slash USA. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com forward slash USA for free two-day shipping. Go ahead and fornicate mm -hmm. and make love for longer than you have before. Mm -hmm. Put on a show in there with Roman. GetRoman.com forward slash USA. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man that was drafted 36th overall uh, to the University of Washington. He has re recently become the highest paid safety in NFL history. Congrats Ooh. to him. Uh, and watching him play football is an absolute joy. He is a maniac on the field. Seems to make every single play. Ladies and gentlemen, all pro and pro bowler safety for the Arizona Cardinals, Buda Baker. Yeah. What's going on, Buddha? Where are you at right now? Are you in Arizona for the offseason or are you somewhere yeah, else? Man. Yeah, I'm in Arizona, uh, just out here at the house chilling, but I'll be uh, in different places soon. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. Enjoy your offseason. Are you in the yeah. house that Larry Fitzgerald uh, just built and sold for $18 million <laughs> in Arizona? Oh, man, I wish. I was definitely there before, and that. I say it was a sight to see. <laughs> I could fathom. Uh, you've been dominant out there in Arizona, obviously. And I got a chance to talk to some of your teammates about you. And they say he's an incredibly nice guy and absolutely works his ass off. Um, coming out of Washington, 36th overall, you're kind of somebody that not wasn't a, a nationally recognized name. Then you sign your contract, highest uh, safety in NFL history. Congrats, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well deserved. Woo! And then this year, it was kind of like a Buddha Baker show. You know what I mean? And it, what is your – whenever you're going into a game, do you just think, I'm going to make every single tackle on every single play? Is that your mindset whenever you go out there? Oh, man, uh, not really. I mean, I'm trying to honestly just, you know, think on whatever the play call is and just do, doing my job. And, um, you know, I'm kind of like the eraser. I play safety, so – um, nine times out of ten, if the ball gets past me, it's either going to be a huge play or a touchdown. So, you know, I'm just trying to trying to get as much tackles as I can, as much, uh, you know, interceptions or sacks as possible. And that's just doing my job mentality. As we're talking here, and you're obviously very humble here the way you're talking. <laughs> I do. I remember a mic'd up, I think, between you and Chandler Jones where you tackled somebody, and I think you said, I ain't scared of anybody, I believe was your exact quote or whatever. Uh, it was that, in my, is my brain literally just remembered that. that. That happened this year, right? Oh, man, that happened in 2019. <laughs> I wish I, <laughs> it happened in 19, but, you know, people might have just saw the video last year. Yeah, so. you, you're a, but you're, you absolutely... I mean, you slaughter people whenever you're hitting people. Is that, is that something that you take a lot of pride in? Do you have to build your body up for that? Is that just naturally how you've always played? Have you always been a heavy hitter? What, what is, have you had to adjust at all since getting into the NFL? You've made it look very easy, obviously. 
Yeah, well, uh, growing up, I was always uh, I played offense and defense. So, it was, you know, running back or safety and just, you know, having that mentality growing up just to have no fear, whoever I'm hitting. Um, you know, I'm all I'm on the smaller side, 5'10", you know, 190, 195. So, you know, I just think about speed. You know, if I hit somebody at my fastest, then, you know, nine times out of 10, I'll get them down. So as long <laughs> as I do that, then, you know, I can make a lot of tackles. Uh, you're just looking for collisions. It's like whenever you're uh, do you ever have fears, obviously, with the new rules on where you're allowed to hit, where you're not allowed to hit? Has that changed your style of play at all? Or are you young enough that you've been brought up in the strike zone era so it doesn't really change much for you? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, I'm young enough. I, I brought up to the strike zone era, you know, shoulder tackling, you know, going to University of Washington with uh, Chris, Chris Peterson, who was the head coach at the time. Now it's Jimmy Lake, who was my DB coach at the time. And, you know, we lo we watched a lot of uh, film of rugby players and how they huh. kept their head out the game and how they would smack guys with their shoulder and yeah, I have got a couple fines that have been rescinded <laughs> used with my head. People might think that it's my head because I'm coming in with such fast, you know, fast uh, force intentions, bad intentions, and they think it's my head, but it's really my shoulder. And, um, you know, what I've got this past year was a lot of times when I go to make tackles, a lot of guys would duck their head. So it would be a hard strike zone for me to get. So Okay, so let's yeah. talk about that. Let's talk about that. Sorensen the other night in the uh, the Chiefs-Browns game with the touchback, touchdown touchback thing, a lot of people were complaining about the head-to-head, -head, but going down that low, it has to be very hard, especially when you're hitting, like you, full speed every time. It has to be very hard to kind of keep your head out of that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is, and you, you just got to try your best, too. You know, you got to lean in with that shoulder, whatever shoulder it is. Especially for him, it was on that goal line. So you got to kind of hit high in a sense because if you go for the legs, they can, you know, jump over top of you or, or do something. They'll be able to get in the end zone. So you kind of have to go high. Not saying that your head is going to hit the other player, but you have to strike him with your shoulder. And what I saw out of him was he was clearly trying to strike him with his shoulder. But as you see, the head can get down on him. If that was me, I I bet you that would have been a fine, but <laughs> so, I'm so, a fine, a penalty, you know, some crazy stuff. You know, I'm a dirty player, all that type of stuff. But hey, kudos to him. He 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 got their team not to score the other team not to score a touchdown and actually gave the ball back to the Chiefs and at that time, that was very special for the Chiefs. So. Yeah, huge, obviously. And they're still talking about it to this day. Let's talk about what you said there. If that was me, I'd get a fine. Do you think refs call you differently? Do you think refs in particular? Or do you think it's media? What do you think it is? Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, I think it might be media, maybe. Um, but you never know. I mean, I never want to put anything on the media or the refs. But, you know, there's been one hit where I used my shoulder and I got the fine rescinded. And then the next week, you know, I, there was a flag, but then it was picked up because, you know, they see that 32 and they're like, oh, man, you might have hit him with his head, <laughs> even if they don't see it. But, you know, um, hey, they said I that about me, too. Hey, Buddha, that's what yeah. they said about hey. me, too. You know? <laughs> I had to go do it. Hey, what um, what quarterback 
obviously now you've played i'm just going to assume you've played against everybody what quarterback do you enjoy the chess match between you and them because i would assume safeties are what quarterbacks are looking at a lot of the time i assume a lot of people are reading where you are in the box or outside of it what quarterback has really been a joy you think to kind of uh kind of joust against yeah i mean honestly i haven't played a lot of QBs uh, back to back. You know, I played the Aaron Rodgers. I played the, you know, uh, the Patrick Mahomes. But those were just one games, and those guys are, you know, best quarterbacks in this NFL and in the, the league. So, um, but really, if you were talking about division wise, it would kind of just be like Russell Wilson, um, just going against him, knowing that Russell Wilson um, can keep their their team in the game no matter who they play and he's a great player and you know i love when i'm showing down the edge and he he's miking me mike and buddha mike and buddha so <laughs> I, I love going against uh guys like that uh buddha's in buddha's in count, <laughs> hey count yeah. 32 and it's probably gonna be yeah. a head-to-head hit by the way <laughs> got him in the, what do you got connor yeah buddha have you been to cliff kingsbury's house and why is it the coolest thing in arizona it's awesome Man, I've never been to his house, oh. but someone told me we're damn near next door neighbors. So, oh, so your house? Hey, I, I was look, I was trying to look in the back there. You do have a nice spread. Congrats, well warranted, highest paid safety of all time. But uh, does, you, does, does your house rival what Cliff's look? Cliff's looks like a drug lord's house. Yeah, yeah. that thing was. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Cliff's house is nice. I just saw the pictures, but um, you know, I don't know about my house. I mean, it might be a couple stages under Cliff. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> what was Cliff like? What was Cliff like whenever he got the job? Young. He was just the offensive coordinator for USC for a month and a half or whatever. He was a head coach in college, and then all of a sudden he's in the NFL. Here we go. What was it like with the transition into Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, just a young, cool guy. You know. Uh, knows what to do knows the guys on the team um definitely wanted to get to know us um but really a guy who's strictly into football a guy who you know loves football loves offense um loves you know being with that quarterback and um you know making better qbs better like kyler murray and stuff like that so um you know he's had the track record of having a lot of great qbs and going into the nfl being able to pick Kyler Murray, and now that they're here, they're they're doing great things, and um, he's just a great guy. You know, I'm glad to have him as my head coach. Buddha, you guys this year, there was moments of just unbelievable. It was like, okay, the Cardinals are here. Then there would be a little bit of a drop off. Then there would be we're back. Then there would be a little bit of a drop off. And I'm not talking about players individually. I'm talking about as a team. Why was that? You think? And how do you guys get to that? that next level because there were some games where watching you guys was fucking awesome. I mean, offense, defense, everything, special teams was cooking. And then there was a couple games where it was like, all right, what's going on here? And we all know the 2020 season was a pain in the ass with COVID and everything going on. But what do you think it's going to take to make the Cardinals be the consistent great team that you guys showed flashes of this last season? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, we showed a lot of flashes and like you said as well, consistency for us. I mean, I honestly feel like if we take it, you know, day by day, week by week, we'll be a very great team. And I'm super excited for next year. Um, you know, being one of those leaders on the team, I can definitely emphasize that if we can take it week by week, day by day, we're going to be a hell of a team. So that's what I'm going to continue to do. And um, I know these, you know, we have a, we have a great offense, great 
weapons on offense, great defense, great weapons on defense, and like you said, special teams as well. Um, for me, being a defensive player and making the special teams as a Pro Bowl, you know, going to Pro Bowl with special teams my rookie year, is definitely, it's definitely excited and uh, great to see our special teams each and every week because sometimes those boys give me juice. So I'm definitely excited to see what what's in store next this next year hey so am i i was a cardinal supporter this year i enjoyed watching your guys's games it was a lot of fun i mean it was it was a blast uh did you you've answered this a hundred times you had no idea huh <laughs> <laughs> you had no idea you had no idea yeah you're right you're definitely right um Honestly, also, I, it was a long drive. You know, <laughs> you know them long drives. You're tired. Defense, offense, they're battling. It's the red zone. You know, go hurry up. I'm in the post. I'm a post player. I shouldn't even be doing that. But you know, I just, I just saw, saw the guy, the back go to the flat. Saw Russell try to throw it to him because he saw the linebackers not, or linebackers or anybody going to the running back and I just took my shot and uh you know right when I caught it I saw who was in front of me which was Russell Wilson um you know I, I could honestly say I've never been caught from behind before so I was never worrying about who was behind me I'm only I was only worrying about who was in front of me so I see Russell get the ball I'm like all right it's nice beat <laughs> Russell I'm good I'm in the end zone hell you know my my sideline, I'm on my own sideline. Everyone's yelling. You know, I can't really hear it because I'm in my zone just trying to get to the end zone. Next thing you know, I kind of hear some footsteps. And um, I look, I'm, I finally look up in the Jumbotron. And I'm like, this dude is, is, is coming up on me fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I turn around just to see, like, how much time I have because I might, I was thinking about either cutting to the right or just trying to stiff arm him. I just didn't know how much time I had. So I turned around and he was right there. So I was like, I can't really stiff arm him. The angle of the stiff arm would have been bad. It would have messed my shoulder up or something. So, you know, I just had to, I just had to take it. And he, he just, he tackled me. Great job for DK. I'm just glad we, we didn't let their offense get any points that drive. Well, I'll tell you what, that is the forgotten storyline <laughs> yeah. in that entire thing is that's a massive turnover in the red zone. That's a big deal. The story, though, is the memes of fucking, yeah. you know, I mean, that was the running form by him was maybe the greatest knee drive arm swing I've ever seen in my entire yeah, life. You remember that Temple Run game? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jump over it and yeah. slide. That's, yeah. that's how he was he was trying to get me, and he got me, so, hey. <laughs> Hell of a play. It was amazing. And DK is obviously a freak athlete, as are you, by the way. And uh, I would never be in that situation, so thank you for taking us inside of that. I don't know if I'll ever run that far ever again, let alone with a ball and somebody trying to tackle me. So I appreciate that immensely. Uh, Ty? Uh, Buddha. When you look at like all the, the different guys in your division, you you go up against a lot of tough wide receivers. But uh, who's like one guy that I mean, I, I'm guessing you're not not really losing sleep over anyone. But like, who's one guy who you really have to be on your uh, your p's and q's to be successful against? Um, I mean, honestly, my four years being with the Cardinals, we have not uh, beat the Rams with with McVay. So their receivers, as in you know Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, are definitely guys that are slept on um that i think 
are really good. Um, they're their third zone targets. You know what they're you know the ball is going to them, and you know somehow they still get the ball to them, and they're they're a great offense. Sean McVay's offense, I would say, um, is kind of like my that's like my receivers kind of you know that <laughs> offense is just so so different or so so much the same but so different you know they they could run the ball in the same set they can boot out of it and they could throw a screen you know as as a defense that's definitely hard because you know we go off of what are their tendencies and what do they like to do when they're in this formation or that formation but with the rams they can do the same formation, but so many different plays. And do you think that's why everybody that knew Sean McVay got a head coaching job? <laughs> like everybody that had potentially even had met Sean McVay got a head coaching job immediately after they saw it. Is it because the offense is just so basic yet intricate and tough to uh, break down? Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> you're right about that because Cliff, yeah, it's so it's so it's so easy but so hard. You know, it's 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 weird. Hey, what's the biggest hit you've? Do you have like a favorite hit you've ever had, or a favorite tackle you've made, or any uh, favorite play that you've made? Yeah, um, I mean, favorite play really. I mean, last year my my interception versus Dallas, I think versus Andy Dalton. That was a very fun interception for me because um, that was my first interception being in the NFL, and also just the route combination and what defense we were playing. Um, it was something. It was like a quarters defense, and um, it, I was a safety, and I was looking at three to two. So if three goes under. Now I'm kind of playing quarters on my two. If two goes shallow, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hit it, and my corner will be over top. So three went shallow, two ran a slant, and I just shot it, and. The ball was right there, dove for the interception. Now, there's a lot of people listening, watching that have no fucking idea what you just said. But from outside in, one, two, three is the inside receiver. You have to drop in a quarter, that whole thing. If you don't know, we're not going to break it down right now. But I think what I heard you just say is uh, the reason why it was your favorite play is, and you said this, I think, on the Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf play as well, where you weren't supposed to be where you were. And I would assume in this particular situation, it was you understanding what was happening. Is that why it? it it's like you got to a point, and I'm not saying that this this year was the first year you've got to this point, but do you feel you're at the point where you know pretty much what the hell's going on? And is that why McVay's offense is so difficult? Because usually, because everybody talks about Luke Keekley, who Luke Keekley, whenever he was on the field, he was going to call out what the play was going to be, and he's normally right. Do you feel that is one of the big parts of your game, is you know what the fuck's going to go on? And like Troy Polamalu of the past would kind of make a uh, ad lib style play whenever you're not supposed to be in a place because of uh, intuition that you had. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Good for and you. And like you, like you said too. Um, for me, uh, it's my fourth year in the league. My third coaching staff. So my first coaching staff, total new def- defense. Then my second year happens, total new defense. Then my third year happens, total new defense. And now the fourth year is that first year that I'm able to have that same defense as my third year. So just being able to learn the same stuff all over again for the second year in a row and kind of know the, the pros and cons of each defense and know what the offense is trying to do to you that 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 is a lot for me and um that's why I feel like, you know, I had a season like I did this year. Nobody ever talks about the defensive side of the ball changing coordinators always the offense. 
You know what I mean? It's always uh, like offense coordinator <laughs> changes. Nobody ever talks about defense. It's like, yeah, this guy's had three different defense coordinators in four years. Nobody ever talks about like, oh, maybe this guy would like to get comfortable so that he can go make a play. Never gets talked about. I would like to let you know, Buddha, we will talk about that around okay, here. Hell yeah. From this point forward. Okay, Diggs, what do you got? Buddha, Pat just brought up Troy Polamalu. Uh, is there any current safeties or past safeties that you watch film on to try to pick up things from? Um, I mean, there's, of course, the uh, Tyron Matthews going into getting drafted. He was here in the Arizona with the Arizona Cardinals, so it was definitely great to learn from him, him being an all-pro safety and a, a safety who is of my stature. And um, it was definitely, you know, good to learn from him and also watch their film. Um, guys like Kevin Byard, who's really good at getting the ball, Eddie Jackson, um, uh, Fitzpatrick, you know, all these different safeties that all can do different things that I love to watch film on and love to uh, get things after. So, yeah. You ever watch my film out there, Buddha? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, man. Man, them 50-yard punts. Yeah. That's right. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Need you a gunner, dude. Need you a gunner, bro. Fucking let's hey, go. I know. <laughs> hey, uh, we appreciate you, man. Every check that you get is well-deserved and earned. We appreciate your time today. Hope the Cardinals continue to get better, as do you, ladies and gentlemen, all-pro, pro bowler, Buda Becker. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Hey, appreciate you, Buda. Cool dude. Yeah. Awesome. First yeah. time we ever talked. That was really cool. Guy you want to root for. Yeah. yeah. I'm fucking pulling for Buda Baker. Absolutely. I mean, almost like get a Buda Baker jersey type thing. I would never wear it, <laughs> but like, you know, put it up somewhere. Yeah. Uh-huh. He fucking brings the wood, by the way. Yeah. 5'10, 185, 190, he said. He's uh watch rugby videos. They they figured out a way to get their heads out of it at full speed, so I figured I could. What an animal. It's wild flipping the switch like that. Because it's again like it's the same guy. Like you talk to him, it's like, oh, this guy's so mild mannered and like polite and nice. And then like on the football field, he's just a fucking maniac. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. <laughs> him breaking down plays. Yes. I like that a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. When you guys talk like the next level football that you know us pedestrians don't really understand, it's awesome. Well I was I was privy to those conversations like at the in the cafeteria yeah. or in the locker room or whatever on the plane or anything like that. And I would just be listening and I'm like, this is really fascinating, by the way. I had no idea that y'all motherfuckers were like working physics on this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, they, well, if you come down at this angle, I'll be able to get to this angle and that whole thing. It's like, that's, that's the difference, by the way, uh, in college football in the men's league, right? Is you got people that just spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours a day to get a tiny little advantage mentally so that they can beat you. And that's why anybody who says a college football team can beat a, a men's league team is just an absolute uh, buffoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've known a couple. Nah. We've known a couple who have said it. Bama's pretty good. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that U team in 2000, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but just think about how much smarter all those you guys are now playing yeah. football. Mm-hmm. Imagine them as adults playing against that. Oh. I mean, that's just – I mean, there's some dum-dums in the NFL, I'd assume, just like every place. But the football IQ on a lot of guys is just so high. That's why the coaching-player relationship is much different than it is in college or in high school, not only because the ages and the money and everything like that, but it's also a lot of guys in the NFL are like, hey, coach, like – yeah, I've been around football a long fucking time too. Like they say, yeah. I'm not, I'm not in the learning fundamental stage anymore. Okay, I actually have some ideas for you. I think we should do. And that coach is like, yeah, we're in this together a lot more so than the, I'm in charge. You don't even speak at dinner. Uh, those types of guys normally get run out of the league very quickly. Yeah. 
Shout out Petrino. <laughs> and in college, too, like, are the seniors helping out the freshmen as much as, like, a 10-year guy is helping out a rookie? Well, a 10-year guy, by the way, is helping out a rookie strictly because the rookie's just following that person around, seeing yeah. what the hell they're doing. Getting their back pocket is always mm-hmm. the thing that is said. If you see a guy at your position that is a veteran, go ahead and follow them around and figure out how the fuck they've lasted in this league for that long. And that's kind of the way it is. So, And, and I think a lot of people always expect, like, the older player to – you know, coach, and it comes out like Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. is choosing not to go, or something like, will Aaron Rodgers be a good teammate to Jordan Love? Yeah. It's like, in the NFL, that's not their job, okay? If you would like to ask me questions or follow along with me, cool, but it's not my job to make sure you're prepared to do your job. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get a chance to watch Aaron Rodgers from a front row seat, okay, and watch sure. everything that he does, you're learning more than anything ever. Ben Roethlisberger, same way. If you get a chance to watch Ben, what film he watches, how he watches film, what he's breaking down, why he's looking at what, that is the type of learning thing where senior uh, freshman in college, I think it's more like a brotherhood where yeah. the coaches are doing all the teaching. Uh, a lot of seniors are just trying to tell the freshmen how to get through all the shit. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is how you survive this workout. Rich Rod will calm down eventually. Hey, this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems a bit hot right now, but this will be good for you in the long. That type of thing. The the dynamics of an NFL locker room and the NFL brains are just so awesome. That's why I was very excited for the show. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. like not this show today, even though it's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday in like six minutes. Oh, yeah. But I'm talking about this show in general, getting a chance to speak to people. Because there's no way Buda Baker would ever get offered a television job. No way. Probably not. No. Buda Baker would not. He should. Too, too quiet. Should, though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And you would normally never hear Buda unless, what, you followed him on Twitter or something else yeah. like that. Getting a chance to chat with him and listening to why the highest paid safety of all time is the highest paid safety <laughs> yeah. of all time mm-hmm. is pretty It's pretty cool. And you don't hear that often. And I'm very thankful for this opportunity to do that. And thankful for Buddha joining us, just like every single Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. I'm very thankful for oh. one of the goats for stopping by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, so sorry to interrupt this conversation. That's cooking right now. Yes, it is cooking. Uh, everyone always talks about how important it is to get a good night's rest, don't they? Mm-hmm. Hey, you need a good, good night's sleep. I didn't get a great night's sleep last night. And it was, by the way, this morning we could tell, but then the energy of the day kind of mm-hmm. got after it. But people for your entire life have been saying, hey, make sure you sleep well tonight. Hey, get a good night's sleep. Need to get a good night's sleep. Make sure you get a good night's sleep tonight. But it's not always as easy as people just saying get a good night's sleep, especially if you're like me, where your mind is always thinking, mind is always going. Maybe you're thinking about tomorrow. Maybe for whatever reason, you just can't fall asleep. That happens to a lot of us. And CBDMD has come through with something called CBDPM that puts you out like a light. Like a light. Slept through the flight. That's why the folks at CBDPM created CBD or CBDMD created CBDPM to help you get the rest you deserve and feel your best every morning. CBDPM blends 500 milligrams of superior CBD with sleep-promoting ingredients like melatonin, what? valerian root, what? and chamomile to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. So whether you're up late with the kids, pets, or existential dread, you can turn to CBDPM and get the rest you need to handle anything that comes your way. I use it. Nick is a big-time proponent of it. Uh, I believe there's a couple others in the office that use it on a nightly basis. Some guys get into it whenever they need to reset their sleep cycle. But I've been very thankful for CBDMD, CBDPM. Uh, it's something I, I legitimately use. I think you will enjoy it as well if you're not a great sleeper. But also CBDMD has a bunch of other products, whether it's uh, for soreness, mm-hmm. uh, for anything else. I mean, they legitimately got a bunch of CBD, superior CBD products. And right now you can get 25% off your next order. It's almost a, a quarter there, dude. Damn near. When you go to cbdmd.com 
cbdmd.com and use promo code McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E. You'll get 25% off your purchase of high quality CBD oil products from CBDMD. Big thanks to CBDMD for being a hell of a partner with this show and also for creating products that directly affect my life like the sleep one because if not, I'm up all goddamn night. Back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a Hall of Famer. One of the most electrifying football players of all time. We've had a chance to uh, chat with him before. It's always a good conversation. Uh, The founder and owner of 81 Vino, which is your new favorite wine. Ladies and gentlemen, Terrell Owens. What's going on, man? I'm good, man. How are you? (laughs) Is that? Hold on. I think what just popped up is your screen name. It says Hall of Famer, Sunglass, Popcorn. Is that right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, get your popcorn ready. (laughs) I love that. Um, Obviously, whenever you sat down into the screen, uh, what was said from the back room there is you were sideways in biggest bicep they've ever seen in a Zoom call. And I think one thing that was always said about you is that you were in immaculate shape. I mean, it is. I, I think people still question whether or not you could go play right now if you had to. Are you just working out constantly? Is that how you stay in the shape that you stay in? What is the routine? Because I'm a I'm a pudgy white and I would like to get into better shape. No, it's just called uh, it's called maintenance, man. That's all it is. Uh, I don't really have to uh, really train like I, I used to when I was playing, but it's just over the course of uh, my career, I've learned how to really kind of just maintain, uh, eat healthy, and uh, that's really kind of the secret. It's really nothing other than that. Uh, just a lot of popcorn and uh, a lot of wine right now. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about the wine. How did you get into the wine? Was that something you always, uh, did you always drink wine? Did you become a wino when you retired? How did you get into wine? <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, it, 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 I I got to, to develop a palate, you know, uh, within the last couple of years. Uh, you would think being out in San Francisco where there's nothing but, uh, you know, Napa Valley, all these uh, vineyards out there and good food. Um, I would have kind of, again, gravitated toward there uh, then. But um, when I when I played, I didn't really drink uh, much at all. Um, but this this opportunity came about through a mutual friend, uh, a guy that's uh, um, been helping me with some some marketing and branding, Max Management um, out of New York. And uh, he brought it to my attention. And um, I didn't know what to think about it at first. Um, but when you think about um, who I partnered with and rest in, in, you know, God bless his soul and rest in peace, Mr. Tommy Lasorda, who just passed a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was supposed to come out to, to L.A., um, obviously, to do some stuff with the, with the branding and obviously meet him. He had just gotten out of the hospital uh, on that Tuesday, and he ended up passing on that Friday. Hmm. Um, so I, I was unfortunate that I wasn't able to meet him. But I've had a couple of conversations through uh, the branding and some of the business uh, uh, partners, um, you know, who blessed this opportunity for me to be a part of, uh, you know, 81. And so, again, just to make a long story short, this came about through a mutual friend. Um, when you think about what Tommy Lasorda has done throughout his career, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, two-time World Series champion uh, uh, here in the Los Angeles area with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Um, when you think about what uh, his legacy and what he's done, um, I felt like it was a great match. And so, uh, here we are. I didn't really know how it would turn out. Uh, it was a very meticulous process. Um, I was very involved uh, from the from the taste of the wine, from the branding, 
uh, from the feel and taste of it. Um, and if you look at it and if you order the wine, I have this was really dedicated, really. Once I got involved, I wanted to do something special for the fans who have supported me throughout the course of my career. And again, I'm, I'm going to gain some new fans as well because <laughs> there's a lot of wine drinkers uh, across the country. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you think of a cab, um, you think of big, bold and dry. You would also you would almost think that you're thinking about myself, except for the dry part, <laughs> except for the dry part. Um, but yeah, this is something that like I said I got really involved with this. Like I said, even from you know the the labels um, and for my fans, I'm gonna give them. And when you buy, you can buy a signed and an unsigned. Um, and so uh, I just wanted to dedicate something to the fans, and uh, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a great process thus far. Yeah, sounds like rest in peace. By the way, Tom Lasorda, absolute legend over there for the Dodgers for a long, long time. Um, you said you were a part of the tasting and everything like that. How long was it to get this wine? So I, I've been out. Uh, no big deal. I've been in Napa Valley as well. <laughs> I don't know if this is an oak barrel type wine or it's in uh, a steel. Okay, okay. You're familiar. (laughs) This is, right, right. This is a uh, European and American oak barrel. Oh, When I heard about those oak trees, you you know what I mean? So I heard about how long did the process take to create the taste and everything like that? Was there already something kind of already made whenever you got involved or how did this whole thing come about whenever you create a wine? No, it was uh, it was all from scratch because I'm not like I don't when I when I when I drunk wine, I didn't I don't like the dry um, taste. I wanted to kind of bring something to the market that's palatable. Um, when you think uh, when you think about wine, like I said, there's a lot of red wine drinkers. So I wanted to bring something uh, to the table uh, that's going to be suitable for 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 the masses. And so I wanted to bring a little bit of uh, a little sweetness, if you will, uh, to my wine. It's not going to taste like grape juice. I know when people say sweet, they think it's going to taste sweet. But um, my wine, it will consist of like a like a ripe black cherry, um, preserves. Um, You're gonna put it in a bag. Dark chocolate. You're going to put it in a bag at all so we can smack the bag a little bit? You know what I mean? You know, the real classy wine, the box wine, any of that? You can do any of that? No, 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 not, no, just, no, yet. no. not just yet. Not just yet. I'm, I'm getting there. But yeah, but when you think of uh, this wine right here, it will, for your palate, it will consist of, like I said, plum preserves, uh, some with, with a little cinnamon, uh, cinnamon aromas, uh, like I said, dark chocolate and spicy toasted oak. Uh, I tell a lot of people, especially women that are listening, they probably think that I'm talking about myself when I say dark chocolate, spicy, toasted oak. Bold. But I'm not. I'm talking about the wine. Yeah. It seems like this wine has really embodied. I mean, you're one with the wine at this point. And I think right, that, exactly. hey, that's smart branding, by the way. Do you smoke cigars? Is this a wine and cigar? Well, no, I'm not. I don't. I don't smoke cigars. But like I said, I'm going to pair my guy Chad Ochocinco. He sm- he, he smokes cigars. So we might collab and do like a you know cigar wine type of event or what have you. But to answer your question, it it, it took about 18 months, you know, for this uh, to be barreled. Um, you know, this is the 2017 um, um, cab here. Um, hopefully, this goes well. We're looking to do 2018, and I'm going to try to make 2018 special, that wine kind of special, um, because that was the year that I got inducted into the Hall of Fame. So we already kind of started brainstorming. Put a gold jacket on that bottle. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey, hey, say, hey, appreciate it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so we're already thinking ahead uh, about about 28, about next year. So, uh, so far, so good. So, again, for anybody that wants to get the wine, definitely go to the website. 
uh, go to 81vino.com. And I'm a big Kobe fan. Um, you know, obviously we're approaching the anniversary um, of his passing. And when I start thinking about the process, like I said, I'm very, I'm very creative, um, really insightful. And so when I came up with a domain name, they were like, what, 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 what do you want your domain name to be? And so, you know, um, Kobe, the, the 81 Vino, Vino was sort of a, sort of a, a nod uh, for Kobe Bryant. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, obviously, uh, smart person give a nod to. He's a legend. Obviously, rest in peace. Coming Absolutely. As are you, though. Let's talk about your football career a little bit. I like your wine career. Uh, we got a couple winos in the office. <laughs> they will be getting after it. So uh, we appreciate that. Let's talk about your football career a little bit. We were going over your uh, career a little bit before we got in here. And obviously, you know, the celebrations were epic. Uh, the plays were awesome. But the thing that doesn't get talked about a lot, and I guess it did at the time, but I think it's kind of fallen out of conversation, is you broke your leg. In tours, and then you played like three weeks later or something like that. Some insane. Like six and a half. <laughs> uh, let's be, we'll be realis- re- realistic about it. It was six and a half, seven weeks. Oh, okay. Um, I, so that I is much different tore, than. Uh, <laughs> still, like, still broke. Yeah, but... I severely tore uh, the, the ligaments in my ankle. And uh, yeah, I had a break uh, in my leg, uh, like 10, I think it was like 10. I guess 10 centimeters from, from my knee or something like that. Oh. But yeah. So you broke it all the way up here, and then six and a half weeks later, you're back? Yeah, if you think about our uh, actual nice. break in itself, that's around the appropriate time for the, the start of the healing process. So, um, yeah, it was it was broken because I, I didn't know it was broken until the next day. Um, I knew my ankle was mangled um, because I felt it, I heard it. Um, I remember when I got pulled down from behind, I heard a pop uh, when Roy pulled me down, mm-hmm. and so... It, instantly and immediately um when rick burkholder came out he's the head trainer uh who's now he's still the head trainer for uh andy reed at the uh, kansas city chiefs he came out and he was like big guy he's like what he's like what happened he's like what's wrong and i said man i said i think i broke my ankle and so that's when they start signaling you know for the cart and so it wasn't again to the next day that i that i found out uh that i had broken my ankle because overnight they told me to elevate it and it was throbbing, you know, obviously my, my, my ankle was hurting, but when I went in for MRI, um, x-rays and things of that nature, I told the radiologist, he asked me, you know, is there anything else going on? I was like, dude, I said up here by my, my knee, I said, dude, I said, I couldn't sleep. I said, it was, it was aching really bad. And so he basically said, all right, cool. We'll scan uh, the entire leg. And that's when they, they found out that it, that it was broken. So you had a broken ankle and a broken leg, came back six and a half weeks later, played the Well, the game. ankle wasn't broken, but the, the, the tendons and the yeah, You get it. All right, you're an absolute monster. You're an absolute monster. All right, you're, it's in like the, the human's greatest athletes that we the entire you know species of humans has ever had. I think you're on the, the short list of athletes of all time, which is incredible. Let's talk about your style of play. Um, you were always so much fun to watch because you you ran angry. Okay, you 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 were yards after catch. You were going. Uh, you made. I probably bi- was angry. Yeah, I probably was. Angry. <laughs> Why? I wasn't. I pro- yeah, because I wasn't getting the ball enough. <laughs> <laughs> was that your entire career? You think like entire football career? Was that something you always had? Where you're like, I want the ball every single play. Was that like that in high school? Was it like that in college? Or how did Dude, it all I happen? Never- if you try to do some research on me from high school or college, you probably wouldn't find any information. Uh, I wasn't, when I came out of high school, I went to Benjamin Russell High School in Alexander City, Alabama. Um, I wasn't your four or five star um, kid coming out of high school. 
uh, nor, while, nor was I in the top 15, 20, 40, 50 uh, of athletes coming out of, uh, coming out of college. Um, I just kind of developed, um, you know, myself uh, into a receiver. I'm very fortunate to have some of the receiver coaches that I had. Um, and Larry Kirksey, when he obviously coached some, some, some really great receivers, and John Taylor, um, J.J. Stokes, Jerry Rice, and uh, George Stewart, um, you know, the last probably five years of, uh, in San Francisco. And so those guys really kind of developed me into the receiver that I became. Um, but, you know, I did have some angry routes that I ran uh, uh, some of the time. And, and who noticed that was Steve Young. He noticed that if I if I did something wrong or if I dropped a ball or something like that, uh, he noticed once I got the ball in my hands, um, he called it, you know, I, he said I ran angry routes. And then, you know, it just transitioned into uh, once I got my hands on the ball, that's how I, I ran really physical. And let's let's talk about you. When did you get the thing like I want the? Is that just whenever you become a wide receiver? It's just like okay, I want the ball every single play because I, I think that narrative, by the way, can be spun two different ways. You can either say okay, this guy is being selfish, or you can look at it from a grander picture and be like, hey, this guy thinks he can help the team if he gets the ball more, and for whatever reason he isn't. And by the way, a large majority of people who are skill positions in the NFL feel that way. It's some of those. Well, is that just if a? I ne- was- is that a natural if I thing? Was white, if I was white, it would be the latter. But I was black, so it was like, oh, he's selfish. He's an angry black man on the football field. Um, and that's how I got portrayed. And I'm sure you know, like, yeah, I got vilified for, you know, some of the things that people are being praised for now. You know, even think about the, the celebrations, the touchdown celebrations. And I've, I've tried to defend myself over the course of the years. But, yeah, if you look at Tom Brady, who exudes some of that, that and displays some of that passion, you know, they say, oh, he's a passionate player. Uh, he loves football. He's a winner. Uh, he's, he's, he's getting his teammates up. But if I did it, it's the first thing that is it's, it's the, it's the opposite. It's what you explained first. It was like, oh, well, he's a selfish guy. He's a me, me, me guy. Um, but I wasn't that type of person. And if you think about it, even when I was being inducted or got nominated for the Hall of Fame, those were the, some of the things that they kept bringing up. Um, about my career, that I was a selfish, I was a this guy, I was that guy. But you never heard any of my teammates say that. Hmm. That was a narrative that was created by the media. Um, but I understood, you know, what was going on at that time. If you think about where where we are as a country, where we are, um, you know, as 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 Trump leaves office, how people say this country is is so divided. Um, I understood systemic racism. I understood a lot of the things that were going on around me. I just didn't. I never said it because I had a grandmother that grew up in the segregation era. Uh, She told me about some of the hardships and things that she had to experience. She shared those things with me. And did I see that when I played? Absolutely. But I would have probably if I would have brought that to the table, I would have probably gotten the same treatment that Colin Kaepernick did. He stood for something uh, proud and he got ostracized for it. He, He didn't have a job. But I didn't allow that to deter what my goal was. And that was really, honestly, to play football, uh, to become the best athlete that I uh, could become. And in that, I came one of the you know, one of the best receivers um, to ever play the game. Did so you, Terrell, did you ever, like, for instance, we're talking to Aaron Rodgers today and every Tuesday this season. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people um, have learned a lot about Aaron Rodgers through this process. And, and I don't want to say it's, 
uh, conversations are like uh, kind of letting people know who Aaron Rodgers has always been. But Aaron told us that he always wanted to kill him with indifference because there would be stories that would come out and Aaron would never come out and be like, that's bullshit or give his side of the story, which there always was. He said, I'm going to kill him with indifference. Whenever you were playing and you saw the media was starting to pitch this shit. Like you, you knew right. like what was being said about it. And it was, and by the way, the way some things get going, once they get started, it just continues to build and build and build. It oh, becomes, it's, it's, a, it's a snowball effect. Everybody started piggyback on. Did you ever think I got to get out there? Did you ever think I got to get out there and stop that? Or were you just like, I have to worry about work here. I don't have time to deal with what everybody else is saying. Or were you told not to do it? Or did you do it? And it wasn't successful. I, I always wondered about that at the beginning of the entire thing um it was a situation i mean i thought about it like yeah you want to defend yourself because you don't want negative things being said about you i mean like i said i have a family um you know my mom them they think very highly of me i have friends uh close friends and so they heard the things too and so um again like i said teammates knew this a lot of those things that were being said uh about me and the narratives that were created about me weren't true um but you see that you know even in this colin kaepernick situation guys that wanted to support him um, they knew that if they said anything, that was going to put their job at jeopardy. But for me, I just basically went out there and just played. And um, I just knew that if I played poorly, uh, a mist of everything that was going on, um, that was only going to validate what they were saying about me. And so I just basically killed them, you know, with my play. And, you know, obviously <laughs> I, I performed well. Um, if, they, if I went out there and I, I played and I was productive, then they couldn't really say anything but talk about what I did on the football field. Oh, your celebrations, though. Whenever those started. Oh, hey, what the, the, obviously the marker is a famous one. Mm -hmm. uh, then obviously the popcorn, the pom-poms. I mean, I mean, the star. Oh, my God. And then, I mean, it was, it would be. Right. You think about those things that I did. Um, for me, it was creative. It was fun. Yes. Um, I didn't think, for me personally, I, I didn't feel like what I did was uh, damaging the shield or uh, damaging the integrity uh, of the league. Um, I had I just tried to have fun with the game and those things like I said you had a lot of these analysts and commentators uh, that were criticizing me for that saying that I was selfish but now you know, fast forward years later now they have a showtime cam at the end of the end zone <laughs> where guys go celebrate so everything that I was being criticized for uh, around that time is obviously it's being embraced in, in today's game. I wish you were around during the internet era. Oh, you know, because like the, the internet. <laughs> man, let me tell you, it would, trust me, I would be like some of these guys that had, uh, that have millions and millions of followers. And so, I mean, uh, obviously that helps with their branding. Uh, well, and they also go to bat for you, too. So, like, for instance. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Of Juju. For instance, said, Juju. For instance, Juju Sorry. right now is getting a lot of heat, right, for when he was dancing on the logo and everything right. like that. And there's there's commentators that don't like it. There's pundits that don't like it. There's fans that don't like it. But Juju's fans, they come out. They're Juju bees. They come out and they attack for him. They're like, no, he's just having fun. Like, get off his ass, basically. If you were around in the Internet era, I think you would have had, you know, your people that would have been like, hey, hey, stop being. In, fucking old okay and just get over it basically that would have been right, i think right. it would have been no, good of course and i think again if you're going to do something like that i mean you got to do something to support what you're doing and i think and he was doing that and they went on a losing skid so uh it's not it's like i said it, it only compounds when you're not being productive and uh for him that's what happened if he were if they were winning 
nobody would really be saying anything. They oh, wouldn't yeah. be really criticizing. It's awesome, that, actually. That, that, it right. Yeah. The love would have, yeah, the love would have quadrupled. You know, if you think about the fans that really loved him and that he, they were losing, just think about if they were winning and, he, and they were doing that. Yeah, I agree. Ty, what do you got? Tio, given how defenses have changed since you've been in the league and you obviously look like you're still in immaculate physical condition, what kind of numbers do you think you'd put up if you were to play like this year or next year? Um, I would definitely say, I mean, I, I think my best year, I, I think I maybe had maybe right under 1,500 yards. But um, you think about some of these guys now that are kind of flirting at like 1,800, almost two 2,000 yards. Um, I mean, there was a time like when I was in San Francisco and understanding, you know, how I played the game and the opportunity that, that you know, if everything kind of worked out throughout the course of the season, like I really wanted to shoot for 2,000 yards because I know it could have happened. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't. And so if you, if I had a quarterback, a pass, uh, like a, a really a pocket passer um, that really, like I said, you know, if I would have had a Steve Young or a Joe Montana the entirety of my career, and you think about, you know, how the game is being played now, there's no telling what I could have done. Um, but I, I, I did the best, you know, with, with the opportunities that I had. Um, I had three, you know, I guess a minuscule type of years um with with steve young and i say that because i didn't get to play at the height of my career i didn't get to play once i knew that i had uh, the ability and the confidence to really take over games i was just like i said i was in my infancy stage of, of my career and then once he got hurt in my third year with the concussions um you know jeff garcia came in and oh. tim Rattay. um i play i think somebody told me that i played with like a total of like 20 something quarterbacks throughout the course of my career <laughs> it's good that's good stability. <laughs> did, did you know when you hit your prime? Did you know what you said whenever you were at your best or whatever? Uh, Steve was um, too young. Do you did you know like, oh, I'm playing football right now at a very high level? And then was there ever a time where you're like, oh, maybe I have lost it a little bit? Did you ever have that thought? No, I never felt like I lost it because even when uh, my my last two years, people were saying that I had lost it. I was too old. Um, when you think about Buffalo and Cincinnati. Um, those two, those two teams, especially in Buffalo, they had Lee Evans, who was a guy. He was younger than I than I was, um, and I didn't really get an opportunity to really thrive in that offense until uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, became the quarterback due to an injury, and that's when I outplayed Lee Evans. Hey, you hit a go route on us, I think, week seventeen in that blizzard, right? Oh yeah, that yeah I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was week seventeen. And there was then, like two uh, feet of snow or whatever. Oh my God! That was the that was the best game. That's probably the yeah. That's the only game that I played in so much snow. That was like I, I've never seen anything like that. But being in Buffalo, uh, that's bound to happen. And so yeah, my la my my last year with Cincinnati. You think about Chad and Carson Palmer. They have been together like nine, ten years at this point. So um, I I went into uh, I work I didn't work out, but I well I worked out over the summer um, with Carson before that year and so they had myself antonio bryant come coming in free on the free agent market and we both we went in to uh to uh to cincinnati we talked to uh the owner we talked to uh marvin and the the same day and so um they end up coming tell we were just waiting it was kind of like a waiting game we were just kind of just almost like waiting in the lobby to see who who they were going to pick and so they, cincinnati they ultimately has a lobby. chose <laughs> yeah, they ultimately chose uh, Antonio Bryant, who was 10 years younger than me. Uh -huh. And so he ended up, you know, 
they end up uh, signing him to a contract. He didn't go through. He went through like many camps or OTAs. And then they called me like a, maybe a month before training camp started because he had some knee issues. I end up signing there for, for one year. And then I end up playing out playing Chad uh, for that year. So uh, when you talk about, you know, my the height of my career, when I thought it turned on, um, I would probably say it would probably be after my like maybe fourth or fifth year. Um, that's when I really saw. And then when they, I really felt the confidence when they were able to trade Jerry away, that let me know, okay, they see something in me to trade the greatest receiver of all time oh. away to the Oakland Raiders. Greatest receiver of all time, Jerry Rice? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No debate. Absolutely. None. None. I mean, if you think about, look at their, he's won, what, three, uh, three uh, championship rings, um, you know, Got all the records, uh, two hundred something touchdowns, twenty uh, twenty thousand something yards. Um, I mean, again, he played with two. He didn't have a drop off, drop off at the hall, at, the, at the quarterback position. He literally went from Hall of Famer to a Hall of Famer. When you go from Joe Montana to Steve Young, I mean, you're bound you're bound for greatness if you're if you're out there and you know what you're doing. Terrell, I can't thank you enough for joining. I think some of the things you said here might cause conversations on the internet, but that's your entire life. So I thank you. <laughs> well, I'm also I'm just going to speak honesty. You know, what I mean that's that's how I was raised, and so um, for me, I, I realized that early on in my career, and I think that sparked some of it because um, I didn't play any politics. I didn't really know what that meant at that time. I was a young kid, um, so I had like you, you asked me uh, earlier when you said, you know, did you have guys telling me not to say this or not to say that? And Jerry Rice pulled me to the side, you know, one time when some of these, you know, I started going in these post-game, um, you know, uh, meetings or conferences or um, press after the games. And, you know, they, they would ask me, okay, well, what happened in the game? You know, what happened on this play? What was I supposed to do? Lie about it? They saw the same plays that I was just, you know, that I just played. So I wasn't, I, like I said, I, I didn't have that wherewithal to be skirting around, you know, answers at that time. Like I said, I didn't. I went to a small school. I didn't have any media training. All I had was good parenting, you know, from my grandmother, and she basically told me to be honest. You know, there was no lying with me. Hey. So when I, so when I went in there and they asked me, you know, what happened during a play or during a game, that's what I told them. So other than that, you know. I didn't do anything wrong. I told the truth. And if you don't like the truth, then something must be wrong. Hey, (laughs) hey, listen, that's exactly why you have a lot of fans too, though. So, hey, live by the sword, die by the sword. You got a lot of people on your side. Can't wait to try 81 Vino. We appreciate the hell out of you. Ladies and gentlemen, Hall of Famer, Terrell Owens. Hell yeah, T.O. Man. He's awesome. He's so good. He's an awesome conversation. Oh, yeah. A long time. He is an awesome conversation every single time. There's there's a couple things in there that people are going to react to. Oh, oh yeah. There's a couple things. Uh-huh. Drop back quarterback conversation, yep. obviously. the Talking about going from Hall of Fame quarterback to Hall of Fame quarterback. Oh. But I hope people talk about him being fucking boots on the ground for 81 Vino. <laughs> 18 <laughs> months, this guy. Him. Grinding away at his business. And a Blackberry and, and chocolate. Ooh. I'm a big fan of people that... You know, have money, have made it, mm-hmm. and go and dive in into their work. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if he was testing it the entire time, I'm not a wine guy, but Ty drank an entire bottle last night. <laughs> so we'll get him on some of this Cabernet here, Sounds 81 good. Vino. I love it. It's a great price. What's that? It's a great price. What is it? 40 bucks. For a bottle? Oh, yeah. Wow. 40 bucks for a bottle? Yeah. Pretty good. Ty, you're buying all of them. 
That boy, Ty. I ain't okay. drinking no 40, $40 bottle of wine. I'll tell you that. I'll try it once. I ain't going to be buying that every week. <laughs> what do you mean? Dude, love, love you, Terrell. Come but on. Oh, you saw the phone. It's all to him. The hell? It ain't happening. $40? I'm uh, going to buy you a bunch. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. Because it's worth it. This song oh, bitch yeah. going to taste I'm, good. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it does. Wait until they put that Hall of Fame jacket oh. on the 2018 oh. bottle. Oh. It's going to be good. Big thanks to Terrell for joining us. He's awesome. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. Can't thank you enough. It was a great show. Long ass show. So if you're still here, we very much appreciate you. Mm -hmm. You stuck out through a lot of convo. I hope you enjoyed all of them. I did. I was very thankful for everybody's time today, including the boys. Uh, We'll be back manana with a good little Wednesday. Yeah. Great Wednesday. I believe you said we are going to be giving away some money tomorrow. Oh, yeah. We Mm -hmm. are going to be giving away some money. You're 100% right. Hashtag end the pod squad. We appreciate you. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Tuesday night in setup. No, of a great Wednesday. No, you get it. Anyways, have a great Tuesday. <laughs> Fucking see you tomorrow, dude. Play some independent music. All right, enough. All right. No more lies a day. I got bills to pay. And it's my right to say when my days are done. I got wants and needs I got hands that bleed Cause there are miles to feed More than one This old road I'm headed down again Like I'd always done before These old lies I tell myself again How this time it just means more I got aches and pains I got eyes that strain To see what I've gained In losing you I can't sleep at night I should have held you tight Thought I knew wrong from right But that ain't true This old road I'm heading down again Like I'd always done before So lies I tell myself again Now this time it just means more Now this time it just means more This old road.
Just me. How this time it just means.